0: Brent Martineau.
1: You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jacks.
0: Austin Lane.
1: He's a former Jag star and current MMA fighter.
2: Broadcasting live from the Anna and Levine studio.
0: This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com.
2: One step closer to winning my Huckleberry bet here in 2019. Yannick Ngakwe reports the ultimate gamble on himself if they do not get a deal done. He is here in Baltimore, and so are we at the beautiful Baltimore Ravens practice facility in Owings Mills, Maryland. About a half hour outside of the city, which is where the football team is staying. And, of course, we'll be playing on Thursday, preseason game Number one, we'll tell you how practice is going. Jags are out there right now. That's why we are inside, not allowed to kind of be out broadcasting uh, during the practice session. So we will remain in here. Ballin' and Fallin' coming up. Stay in your lane as well around the NFL. Champ Bailey's Hall of Fame speech was a good one, and he sends a message as well. What about Baker Mayfield over the weekend? Is that a good sign or a bad sign? But uh, we're going to talk... A lot about the Jacksonville Jaguars, of course, uh, going on against the Baltimore Ravens. Brett Martineau here, Austin Lane, back home in Jacksonville in those studios. Hopefully we're looking okay on the video platforms, sounding okay on ESPN 690. Coos is figuring it all out. What's up, A-Train?
3: Nothing too much, man. What's going on with you? How's Baltimore treating you so far?
2: Hey, Baltimore's been good. Already got a crab cake in, so nice. uh, check that off the uh, <laughs> Check that off the list. And, you know, it's just beautiful in the Inner Harbor. I don't know how many times you've been, but uh, we are staying right down near the Inner Harbor. Not in it. Yeah. (laughs) Well, of course, not in the water. But definitely not in the Inner Harbor area. But about a mile away from the the football stadium, a mile away from Camden Yard. So uh, we are right there, down there, and it's beautiful. This, meanwhile, this is like where Jag's headquarters is. It would be like their practice facility. Uh, Let's see. I I don't want to say like... McClenney, but definitely deep on the west side. Okay. Uh, you know, it's a good 35 minutes away, and again, it's not like middle of nowhere, but it's definitely not the city. And uh, it's a—they call it the castle out here. It's a beautiful, <laughs> beautiful uh, practice facility for sure.
3: Well, I was gonna say—I mean, as far as the, like the f- facilities are concerned and things like that—I mean, is it pretty top-notch? You got to think all that Under Armour money going through it—they probably got some pretty nice things out there.
2: Well, you said it. It's called the Under Armour practice facility or training facility, and yes, it is. Uh, and uh, my word is, it's—it's it's almost a couple of decades old, but they just. Uh, uh, refurbished it recently, and then they've added to it, and and you can tell it looks brand new, uh, great facility. And you know, as a player, it'd be interesting, Austin. Would you rather be in a place like this where everything's operated, then go in for game day, or would you rather have it right where the stadium is? I think in the past you said you don't want to live and see the stadium from your apartment or your house. But what about practice versus um, being at the facility all week long?
3: Uh, That's a great question. So, obviously, when I played in Jacksonville, you know, you practice right next to the stadium. So by the time it's game day, um, you know, you kind of know where you're going and everything. Chicago... Uh, was different. Ch- Chicago is actually about a 45 minute drive from the practice facility to uh, S- Soldier Field. And especially taking account traffic and everything like that. Um, if you lived in the suburbs outside of the city of Chicago, you definitely had to plan. Uh, you could kind of, you know, like your route a little bit. And the same thing can go for Detroit as well, where we practice and then play at two different venues. I actually prefer to, with the, the Jaguars have set up, where you practice and play kind of in the same spot because the big thing is the locker room okay where the locker room is kind of like the home it's kind of like you know it's the place where you where you put your feet up you know and kind of make like your own little space especially in your locker i mean you can put your posters up whatever you want to do so that's kind of like your little piece of home and when you play with teams like chicago or detroit where you don't necessarily use the locker room all the time because you only use it for for the game days uh it's kind of like a foreign place, it almost seems like. You know, like when you make that trip to Soldier Field and then you go in the locker room there, um, it's like yeah, I haven't really been here a lot, you know, so it kind of almost seems foreign. So I would prefer to practice and play actually at the same spot like Jacksonville's got set up.
2: I got you. And, and think about this, too. And I won't I won't belabor the point, but it is worth mentioning just how nice the facility is. And it's an arms race in, in, in the NFL, just like it is in college football, a little bit different. But it definitely is an arms race. You want to attract free agents. You want guys happy to go to work and, and, and feel pride in going to work. Well, I think Shad Khan and the Jaguars have tried to make – uh, everything downtown better and a lot jay news from last week that this thing looks like it might be going forward or getting close certainly helps that out and that's why that's why we talk about it a lot i mean you need the the flex field i don't know if you need the amphitheater for the football player side but you need the flex field you need that indoor facility they've got a beautiful one right here and then you need good locker rooms and and good training areas and cold tubs and all those things it, it sounds material But it's part of a facility. It's part of an organization. And the Jaguars are trying to keep up. And, And you know, the bigger market teams, the teams that have a lot of money to spend from Dallas to L.A., it just keeps getting better and better. And that's why the Jaguars have to try to keep up from all of downtown to right there down at Jags headquarters. uh, You've seen slight even... Less talked about improvements, even on the practice field where their cool zone is, they now cover it up and they're able to keep a lot of the equipment inside so it doesn't get moldy and wet uh, overnight because of all the heat and humidity in Jacksonville. So even little things like that, I think from an equipment staff standpoint, a player standpoint, an organization standpoint, really pay um, uh, at least... They make a difference, I think, internally. I'm not sure if it does externally, but they do uh, internally. All right, man, how was your weekend? Let's talk some football yeah. because uh, we got practices between the Ravens and Jaguars. But uh, first things first, kind of a busy weekend, Hall of Fame ceremonies. Uh, the Red Sox get swept. Uh, we won't talk much about that because nobody cares other than me, and I kind of cross a team off my list because the Red Sox have no chance now. Um, <laughs> What do you do all weekend?
3: Anything exciting? So, watch the UFC fights, you know, that that was a big something I talked about on Friday. Yes, you did. And, it, and it was actually, and you know, the, that'll be in my cruise control a little bit later on in the show, and I'll get into it a lot. But, um, interesting fact that they fought in New Jersey, and the main card, where usually it'll start, you know, like 8 or 9 Eastern time, or sometimes 10 if it's a pay per view, started at 3 o'clock Eastern time, which was, uh, Pretty convenient for me. You know, it was, it was a little different, but I, I honestly didn't mind watching UFC fights from three to six. Um, a lot easier on my sleep schedule. So, did that, watched the Hall of Fame speeches a little bit. Um, you know, and we'll get into that as well. I mean, uh, kind of like you mentioned, I mean, Bailey had a great, um, uh, I thought speech. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, 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 they're all great ones, but, uh, let's get into that a little bit later. But also, too, then, uh, my ignition on my car, uh, got stuck, so oh boy. I had to. yeah. So we uh, went to the gym on Saturday, come back, and try to turn my car off. And unfortunately, the t- the car wouldn't turn off because my ignition was stuck. So now it was to the point where the car shut off, but um it was still on, you know what I'm saying? So, like, the radio was still playing. So went in the house a little bit, did a little research. and. Uh, it was a possibility of a couple things, whether it was a, a stuck ignition, whether, uh, a, a, like, a, a computer chip went out. But basically, I took it upon myself to fix it myself. So I, I went back out. I grabbed my thermos that I drank my water out of. I filled it up, <laughs> and I basically hit the ignition uh, about 10 to 15 times until it came loose. And sure enough, it came loose, and uh, problem solved, for at least right now. That ain't one of those deals where you got to wiggle the steering wheel? Oh, Like, no, that didn't work? Brent, believe me, man. I tried that. I tried to... Jiggle like the um you know like the shifter that didn 't work, I tried to press the brake a little bit that didn't work, so yeah i mean i I literally went through everything I could. And then I had to go on Google, and then I took matters in my own hands and just beat the ignition with my uh, thermos.
2: I mean, if you want me to fix your car, I mean, I can certainly do oh, it. Yeah? I, mean, I, got, you, I mean, I can do those things. Are you, are you oh, yeah.
3: one of those guys? Okay, I see. I feel like yeah. it's like a generational thing, right? Nah, I, mean, yeah. I feel like kids yeah. are like, I said say kids. I feel like people in my generation aren't necessarily the best when it comes to fixing cars.
2: Well, here's what I, I do to fix to your reason. car. I just take it to the local repair shop. That's ah. it. That's about all I can do, too. Okay. So, uh, I, just w- I thought you were going to tell us you did something. Ingenious because of YouTube. See, we didn't have that before. Now YouTube can tell us how to fix everything.
3: Very true, very true. Yeah, well, the last thing I want to do is take it to the dealership, especially during the weekend. So, like I said, took it uh, into my own hands.
2: All right. Well, YouTube, you can always also watch Action Sports Jax and uh, this radio show live right now from 3 to 6. We are in Owings Mills, Maryland, uh, just outside of Baltimore. Ravens, Jaguars, practicing. Uh, Let me give you a couple of quick... um, thoughts on the practice so far. Listen, this is not going to be one of those deals where people are going to go fighting and feisty and skirmishes. I mean, you'll you'll see a couple of one-on-one drills that get a little intense, but they met again. This is what they do now. Doug Marone's done this a lot. He says he's had very little problems over the years. He remembers one time in the early 2000s that he had a bit of an issue with it, but since then, I really think... Austin, they kind of threaten these guys and be like, hey, you don't have a better chance of getting a roster spot if you're a young guy and you're out there to get in a fight. That is not getting things done. And I don't know. That's my interpretation of this because Doug doesn't have problems. Now, the other thing is he finds coaches and teams – That he gets along with or knows very well, respects a lot. If you look at it, New England, Minnesota, Baltimore, those have got three styles of coaches and I think style of ball that uh, resonate with what they're trying to do in Jacksonville. So I think that helps kind of get on the same page. But either way, leaders of both teams, I'm talking players, got together before practice, just like last year in Minnesota, and they said, hey, let's go have uh, fun, have a good practice, get better, but let's not end up with a brawl and on NFL Network and ESPN and CBS 47 and Fox 30 and all that stuff. That's not what they're trying to do here um, to get ready for, for Thursday. So overall, it's a beautiful day. I think they're getting some good work in. I think Nick Foles, from what I saw in the first hour and a half, was a little off today. I'll be interested to see what he has to say after practice, which is ending in about a half hour or so. Um, but I uh, thought he was, wasn't was sharp, a little better in the red zone than he was kind of in the middle of the field, at least when I was watching. you got to remember, they got two fields going on, mm-hmm. so we're trying to get a peek at everything else. But uh, overall, I like the intensity. The fun stuff for me, Austin... I know for you, when you were a player, is going these one-on-ones, right? That defensive line, offensive line, or or maybe even getting a goal line in. But the fun stuff for me to watch is really the receivers against the DBs on both sides because it's right there in the open. It's a one-on-one battle, and then you also get a glimpse to see the quarterback either make a nice play or make a bad throw. Uh, And I think if you want to look for highlights, and in my world I like highlights because I'm a TV guy, uh, I think those one-on-ones between the corners and receivers are pretty fun to watch watch
3: so it's funny you mentioned the fighting and everything because you have doug marone who by all means to me seems like an old school kind of guy you mentioned the patriots and the vikings too i mean especially like mike zimmer uh and another old school kind of guy an you know, old school type culture and then the patriots i mean are definitely the old school type culture and it's funny how you mentioned like you know they're all on the same page where you don't want to be getting in fights, especially against new opponents at practice, because all things considered, once you bring that old-school mentality, you would think that it almost is like the environment to get in a fight when you have two old-school coaches going back and forth. Um, so, the, you know, that's very interesting uh, that, that you said that, you know, and it seems like there hasn't been, a you know, a scrap yet. We'll see. Um, as far as the Ravens are concerned, yeah, I mean, at the wide receiver position, the one-on-ones, you know, I'll be honest, Brent, um I think the Jaguars have better wide receivers than the Ravens do, and then, I think you're right. And then that's saying a lot, you know. You have a guy like Willie Sneed, uh, for all things considered, was at best a three receiver in New Orleans. Um, was kind of a big. He's a slot guy, but he's got good size, um, so he kind of adds some versatility last year for the Ravens. Wasn't really doing that much, um, you know. And that's with the team that had Crabtree and John Brown last year. And the other side, you got Seth Roberts starting right now. And granted, you know that yes, they have drafted. Marquise Brown, but right now it's Seth Roberts, really Sneed, uh, two guys to me on paper that don't really jump out at me. So from the, from the one on ones, I assume that the Jaguar secondary, uh, you know, was feasting on them to say the least. Uh, I will say this though, their tight ends are a little intriguing to me. Um, you know, it seems like in, in the draft all the time, the Ravens draft like two or three yeah, they do. tight ends a year. Uh, you got a guy like Nick Boyle and you got a guy like Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews to me is a very underrated guy out of Oklahoma. I think he's going on a second or third year. I'm curious to see how he does this year, especially with Hayden Hurst as well. Uh, Hayden Hurst people know, uh, you know, around Jacksonville, he played for South Carolina. But uh, Mark Andrews is a guy that. That's really curious to me. So I think the linebackers might get um – Yeah, and the safeties will get some good looks against their pretty good tight ends.
2: Yeah, no doubt. It looks like on paper, if you look these two teams up on paper, it looks like the defenses will have the advantage on these practices the next couple of days and and maybe even on Thursday night. By the way, Marquise Brown came uh, down the tunnel onto the field, and somebody yelled, Hollywood, Hollywood. I thought they were talking about me, Austin. I guess they were talking about Marquise. (laughs) Well,
3: Uh, be honest. Are you wearing shades, and do you have your AirPods in
2: right now? uh, I got something to tell you about the AirPods. Oh, I can't wait. I hope they're
3: broken.
2: I can't wait. I I do have something to tell you there. And Yannick Ngakwe is here. Plus, Freddie T. Still not too happy going back and forth on social media. We'll get into it on ESPN 690. We welcome your call, star star 690. Hang with us from Baltimore to Jacksonville. Happy Monday, everybody. Brent Martineau from Owings Mills, Baltimore. Actually, I'm from East Providence, Rhode Island. But today, I'm from Owings Mills. Maryland, uh, just outside of Baltimore, about a half hour outside. uh, Austin Lane, back in the Action Sports Shack studios in Jacksonville. So we've got you covered from Baltimore to Jacksonville here on a Monday. Hope you had a good weekend. And uh, here's the question for you, Austin Lane. Are football players cool?
3: Uh, Are we talking like current football players or former football players or both in general?
2: Uh, Let's be more specific. Just in general, from a... You know, like we see Jalen Ramsey, or we see Odell Beckham Jr., we see those guys walking in, they're dressed up. Even Tom Brady sometimes, right? Giselle must say, hey, I I think you should wear that today. But uh, we'll get to Brady in a little bit. But uh, overall, I mean, right, pretty cool fashion.
3: Well, first of all, all due respect to Odell Beckham Jr. You know when he had his blonde hair, he was rocking for a while? Yeah, I, I had that exact same hairstyle when I was in fourth grade, and people look, looked at me like I was crazy. Um,
2: did you have the beard in fourth grade?
3: No, I didn't. Didn't have the beard in fourth <laughs> grade, unfortunately. But uh, I did have kind of like the shaved sides with it was, it was like a flat top with uh, with blonde hair in the top. So uh, yeah, as far as football players, I think they're kind of trendsetters. I think they're pretty cool.
2: Okay, I'm glad you said that Here because we go. hey, Kuz, I, I want you to listen this to going. this too. Because, uh yeah, you know, I'm here yesterday at the hotel as the team gets off the bus. Mm. And the team's coming into the hotel, and I'm seeing Calais Campbell, Yannick Ngakwe. He's cool, right? He's got a little swag to him. Sure. He says, I don't, I don't know, I'm not worried about that contract. I'm coming into play. Yeah,
3: I'd be a little worried, but yeah. Uh, I, I can't see where tell
2: Jalen from? Ramsey, I don't know. But there was probably, I would say, I, I noticed out of the 90 players, maybe 12 to 15 of them. You know what they, they were wearing? What's that? airpods oh
3: for real because airpods see you have to remember back when i played beats by Dre were the cool things to wear and guess what those lasted maybe two or three years before they broke they weren't really that cool they were fashionable maybe but they weren't that cool in terms of uh durability and uh market value so yeah i mean i got it and if they're wearing airpods that's good for them um i think there's better sound quality uh headphones out there whether they're bluetooth or they're like the plugins but to each their own brent
2: let the record sh- state i'm not worried about duracell here and ever long lasting here uh uh-huh. whatever if it, it, they're good but they're cool i want to make sure i'm with the cool thing oh. and so i've cool. uh, I've got my AirPods, and uh, so do most of the Jacksonville Jaguars players. And um, I guess now you are officially in the get-off-my-lawn category well, of former NFL players.
3: Hey, and that's fantastic. So I guess the next time we go out, you, we're going to the club, and you're buying bottles for everybody then. You, you buy the VIP for everybody, because that's what it sounds like you're on right now, comparing yourself to a bunch of football players. I, so I, I can't wait for our next uh, trip wherever we go, Brent.
2: Bottles on you. Well, if I was Yannick Gakway, I'd probably not offer to pay. I because I feel like I'm losing money <laughs> yeah. right now, even though I'm making $2 million. How about this? Yannick Ngakwe comes in Sunday morning, makes the trip up here. Really wanted to do that. and In fact, I saw him at the hotel, and I think he hustled out right after he had checked into his hotel and went upstairs. I saw him leaving, and I think he probably was meeting a family member, most likely his mom. But uh, he grew up like 45 minutes from here, so this is a homecoming. You could tell where he could have pushed it off till tomorrow or, or today. He said, let me get in there, let me get on that plane, and let me go up home, and I want to maybe play in this game and Practice And he's out there practicing, man. They are not holding Yannick Ngakwe back, which means you know he was in fantastic shape. And we didn't expect anything else from Yannick Ngakwe, and I'm sure they didn't either. But uh, overall thoughts, now that this thing, at least this part, the 11-day holdout is done, and and that part's over with, uh, what sunk into you this weekend about Yannick Ngakwe? Because more and more, as I told you a week ago, here on this show, on ESPN 690, a deal is not getting done. And, again, I left the door open a little bit because it's negotiations, and especially once he gets in there, does somebody have a change of heart? But I'm still telling you a week later, a deal right now is not getting done. There's not talks going on. It's not even close. They're not moving toward anything. It's not getting done at this stage unless something really turns from both sides. So what's your thought process of Yannick Ngakwe being in here and now maybe dambling on that $2 million final year of his rookie contract
3: man i had a few thoughts so first of all we talked about Ngakwe coming back is a big gamble on his part rightfully so i think we can all agree on that my question to you though brent martineau is it a bigger gamble on the jacksonville jaguars not paying him right now and waiting to see how the season turns out or is it a bigger gamble for yannick Ngakwe in terms of I'll knock on wood here risking injury because it's kind of a gamble on both parts if you think about it
2: it's a gamble on both sides, but keep in mind who still holds the leverage. You know, what everybody in that building is, is rooting for is Yannick and and would have a monster year in 2019. See, and I, if absolutely, he has, I absolutely
3: disagree, Brent. I disagree
2: you think, with you. If he has a monster year, Austin, they're just going to slap the franchise tag on him. That's it. That's an easy move for them. They've got a trump card still in their back pocket, and they want him to have a ma- uh, a big year. Now, could they negotiate? And, and again, sides, they, have a, they can get this deal done whenever they want. Uh, there's no, you know, sooner or later they'll hit a franchise tag and there'll be a deadline next year at some point. But if he plays well, they'll hit him with a franchise tag, and that's it. I mean, why? How do the Jags get hurt here over the next
3: year and even two? So if they hit him with the franchise tag, what happens to Jalen Ramsey next year?
2: Ramsey's already under the fifth-year option, so he doesn't even come into play with the franchise tag. But,
3: but what I'm saying is that they're going to pay Jay- I mean, so you think? So let's go ahead and next year. Let's go in the future a little bit here, okay. Brent. So. They let's for whatever reason say Yannick Ngakwe plays out this year on his deal that he's always had. Okay, he, he goes out with his rookie contract, which is I think two million or something like that, if I'm not yep. mistaken. All right, so two million dollars. Yannick Ngakwe gets that. Um, Jalen Ramsey is slated for a new contract coming up, so they franchise take Ngakwe uh, Ngakwe next year, and then Jalen Ramsey. What happens to him? Does he just play out his fifth year, or do they give him a new contract?
2: Well, listen uh, again. I they they will rip up. They're not going to rip up a deal. They want to get Jalen signed. No doubt. Of course. Absolutely. But they have the option, if they want to, to just have him play the fifth-year option. Again, they have his rights to do so, and then that would open the franchise tag up next the following year. That's why all the trade talk that people were, were saying at times in the last year about Jalen Ramsey. Th- why? How? The Jags have a ton of control in the Ramsey conversation as well. Now, we could talk about sitting out. We could talk about not playing. All those things. But I'm just saying, on paper, as it stands, with the leverage the Jags have an organization, from contract uh, and, and legalese points in the CBA, the Jags have a lot of options here. Now, what I think, I predict what happens with the Ramsey, I think they throw a ton of money at him, man. I don't think this is a cheap-out type of thing. I think this is a value of player, is and that's the difference. I think right now, there's a side on Yannick Ngakwe's side, and by the way, that's their job, is to say, our guys should be paid... To top three, or reset the market, or whatever they want to do. That's their job, and they're entitled to do so. I think the Jaguar side is, hey, we don't view him right now as a top three player in the NFL. We're not paying him as a top three player. Now, we might see him at number seven. We might see him at number nine. I don't know where they have him slotted, but it's obviously not in the top three to pay him. I think everybody Everybody knows the Jaguars see him and most people around the league and Jalen Ramsey as the top corner in the game and at least one of the top two or three in the game. He will reset the market next year with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, will this be... A long, drawn-out thing? Could it be contentious? I'm not going to sit here and say it's going to be a piece of cake. What I'm saying is they are going to throw the bank at Jalen Ramsey because they know he's that special of a player. And they rank him, at least league-wide, as that special of a player relative to Yannick Ngakwe. And it sounds like I'm talking for the organization. This is just my assumption. This is what I'm I'm thinking. And I, I think... We'll see if it gets done with Ramsey, man, but I think these are two totally different situations. In fact, I think the beneficiary of Yannick Ngakwe maybe not getting a deal done this year could be Miles Jack. Look out for a Miles Jack deal now in the second half of 2019 if he's really playing well to maybe get done sooner than anybody thought that deal might get done, even Miles Jack. I think Miles Jack said this offseason, hey, I'm not worried about that. I'm going to play this thing out and then we'll see what happens, but could the Jags start negotiations earlier with Miles Jack since they have some of this money that they didn't come to terms with on Yannick Ngakwe?
3: Brent, but you just can't sit there and say, okay, so they're not going to pay Ngakwe this year. We'll go ahead and just franchise Tagum and it'll be all good. Like There's going to be repercussions if you franchise y- Yannick Ngakwe because the one thing that Ngakwe has wanted – from all things considered is a long term deal. Now I'm not sure what the what the offer on the table even was. I mean, there were some reports. I'm honestly not even sure how accurate those reports are anymore because you hear Ngakwe saying that don't believe everything that you read on Twitter, so yep. it is what it is there. But you you have a guy who wants to get a long-term deal. And if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars, I feel like you had an opportunity to offer him that long-term deal this year. All things considered now, let's say he goes out, he has 12, 13, maybe even 14 sacks, and and completely balls out like he is capable of doing. Now, okay, fine, you can franchise, franchise take him for that year, but he's still going to get a lot of money. He will still command a lot of money in the following season or in the season after that. So you're just kind of delaying the inevitable right now. Like, I don't see the point why you would have him right now for a pretty low price, if you ask me, compared to the next couple of years where his value could go up.
2: Well, that's what the Jags, I think, were playing. I'm just talking negotiations here, Austin. I think that's what they were playing off is, hey, we got the leverage. Let's see if we can get a deal done. They didn't get it done. More on Yannick Ngakwe. Jump in if you want to do it. Star, star, 690. More on the Jags up here in Baltimore. What I saw out at practice coming up next on ESPN 690.
3: At the end of the day, I know my value. I know my worth. That's all I can say. doesn't matter about anybody else knowing my value. I show it each and every year. I was a third-round pick, under,
4: underrated. Bet on myself. I'm still here.
2: Yeah, I love this guy. I, I love Yannick Ngakwe. I really do. I mean, I like his attitude. I like his professionalism. I, I like all that stuff. I mean, I thought he handled that news conference yesterday for about five or six minutes the right way. I don't think he came in. I thought he was matter of fact. I think you could feel his um, a, a sense of frustration, but not so much so that it was it was overshadowing what he was about to do, which was join the football team. And and I, I'm not, he, he has a right to be mad if he wants to be mad. He really does. I mean, he's, he's outperformed that deal. Uh, so he should be a bit frustrated that this thing not get it done. I think we're all frustrated that this didn't get it done, and I've been telling you for the last week, the frustrating part to me is that these two sides aren't talking. I mean, you, you get a guy that you want, and you get a guy that's earned it, and somewhere there's got to be middle ground. And, and this thing got too emotional, I think, along the way, or I don't know how negotiations work. I don't deal with m- these kind of negotiations enough to know. Um, but this thing did not turn out, at least to this point, the way it was supposed to. We all know that. Uh, and and I think kind of both sides know that to a degree. Uh, of course, I'm sure they blame the other. But Yannick Ngakwe, I thought he did a good job. Now, you know, he does say in there, I don't care what other people think about my value. I know my value. Well, he does need the organization to value him as much as he does for them to get a little closer. And where that is, um, how far apart they are is still... To be determined, uh, you know, the, the, the $19 million a year, I think, Austin, you just referenced it that uh, Yannick Ngakwe said, hey, uh, don't believe everything you read. And, and I think it's a little lower than that, 19 a year. Now, I don't think it's like sixteen a year, um, but I do think it's lower than 19 a year. And how he has to get to potentially $19 million, um, I think, might have been lost in some of the translation of, of those reports. But the bottom line is... If you're near 19, why can't you get near 20? <laughs> why can't you exactly. get near 21? You know, and and, and by the way, hey Austin, that's uh, I know I've I've played the role of the team a lot just because you're the, the role of the player. Sure. Um. And and we've gone back and forth. And and again, I think we've all rooted for the same thing. We want Yannick and Gakwe to get paid and, and be around for a long time. Really like him as a player, and he's and he's proved it. But I will say. To get to that 20, to get to that 21, I don't know if it's just on the team's side. You know, We don't know how much in the dirt, how much in the sand the Ngakwe side is and how much budging or lack thereof they're doing. So uh, at some point, if it's a negotiation, both sides have to move. And uh, I said it, and I'll say it again, and I've said it like six times in the last week. It's a stalemate. There's no movement. They're in the sand, and it, this has all signs of saying no deal done. And, and every time I say that, someone says... There's no deal done, <laughs> but I still leave this sliver of hope because it's a phone call or it's a pushing the the offer back to the other side of the table. It's all it takes to open this thing back up and maybe get something done. So I think we can hope for that, but right now it doesn't look like it's happening with this Yannick Gakwa deal. And, and I know people are surprised at that. I think that it's come to this, but that's kind of the reality we've been talking about, Austin, for the last week.
3: You know and I I'm going to say it till I'm blue in the face here Brent. I mean I think the magic number was around 20 million dollars cuz you have the contract that DeMarcus Lawrence got from the Cowboys and you have the contract that the Chiefs pretty much picked up from the Seahawks and then gave him a new one um you know with Frank Clark and the Kansas City Chiefs. So the market is pretty much set when you look at their stats and how you compare them and everything. So the fact that, and listen, these are just rumors that we heard, that was the 19 million a year. Well, now we're hearing that's maybe not what the deal was. And like I said a couple uh, episodes I think it was last week, early last week, where who's to say maybe the Jaguars didn't kind of leak this information out just to try to put some pressure on Gokwe um, and maybe kind of make him look bad in the Public eye because all things considered right now I think more people are on are on Ngakwe's side um, than the Jaguar side I mean it's it's I think it's pretty obvious if you ask me so I'm not sure what, what the contract actually that was offered on the table if it was around 18 million or 19 million dollars like it was reported well then let's think about this Brent would you spend an extra million dollars a year just to make sure that your locker room number one was ready to go in terms of leadership in terms of camaraderie in terms of people being on the same page would you spend that extra million dollars to make sure one of your star players who's came through your system is officially happy and ready to work his butt off and be a leader on the defensive line I would spend that million dollars Then I, I, I really would now maybe it wasn't 19 million dollars like it was reported maybe it wasn't even 18 million dollars maybe they kind of shortchanged him a little bit and maybe it wasn't a long term deal um like we heard maybe like four years i mean those things all gotta go into consideration as well but i'm just saying if it's in the 18 to 19 million dollar uh range an extra million dollars man for all that's considered i would have no problem spending that
2: All right, hey, one more point on this for now, and and you're welcome to jump in on the conversation because it's been a topic, and I think it's a reality right now, at least in this situation. People are believing it, that he's going to play in a $2 million deal in his final year, which is just amazing. It seems like so much at risk. I appreciate the idea of gambling on yourself, but I almost don't know where the gamble gets you if they're going to franchise tag you. You have a big year, they're going to franchise tag you. It doesn't get you anything to gamble on yourself here in 2019, in my opinion. I think that could be up for debate, but... That's what I believe. We Maybe in the interim it doesn't. Maybe down the road it gets them a lot more money. We'll see. Uh, I, I want to hit on something, though. We thought there would be a domino effect all the time, Austin, and we talked about this. How will this impact a locker room? People are watching, and I subscribed to that. I said, okay, people are watching. How's this going to go? The, it's only been 24 hours since he reported. But are you at all surprised, or do you think we'll see at all any backlash from the locker room from a public standpoint that this deal hasn't got done or it looks like it might not get done because we haven't really heard anything yet since Yannick Ngakwe's come back although to be honest we haven't really talked to a lot of players uh, so do you think there'll be some backlash publicly or will that be more of an internal thing no that guys take are, are really looking at this and kind of channeling it and holding it in the back of their mind for down the road
3: I think it'll be channeled I mean you know there might be a couple of cryptic tweets out there uh that people can put two two together eventually. But as far as like a player coming out um in an interview or in a press conference and saying something, I I don't see that happening because number one, that doesn't help out Ngakwe at all. Uh it kind of brings more distraction and then it doesn't help the, the team at all either. So um and this is assuming like listen, if things start going downhill real quick, Brent, in the first three or four games and it's a pretty hard schedule to start out the the season with, I mean if things start going downhill I honestly wouldn't be surprised if a comment gets said. But I think right now during training camp, um, I think that's going to be kind of kept under the rug, kept in the locker room, and uh, the players will address it there.
2: Yeah, okay. Uh, Let's get to South Beach. Gary's been hanging on the line, so a quick call. And uh, we've got a lot more to get to here, but uh, hanging on Yannick, the news of Yannick and Gakwe from yesterday. And, again, uh, just to be clear, I don't think anything's close to getting done. Or at this stage of the game, I'll I'll stand by my 90% of last Tuesday where I don't think this deal is getting done. What's up, South Beach, Gary? Hope you had a good weekend, man.
3: Yeah, you guys, too. Let's make their song of the day,
2: What's Love Got to Do With It, by Tina Turner. Is uh, that between the Jags hey, and Yannick and Gakwe, I mean?
3: <laughs> <laughs> what's, money, what's money got to do with it? Uh, yeah, you know, guys, I don't think that they're as close as uh, if it's reported either, Austin, because I do you're kind of the anger and the irritation. In Yannick's voice, I don't think they're as close as nineteen to twenty to twenty-one. That he he would be there'd be that much kind of anger in his voice. I think that's a, a bogus report because, uh, you know, he he wouldn't sound that upset or that you know I'm you know it, it sounded to me like more like they're lowballing I and mean, then it's they're in the fifteen to 16, $60 million dollar range. I may be reading that way wrong, but I don't see it. You know that. You want to hear more? Like we're making progress. We're close. If they were as close as reported, I I don't believe it.
2: All right, man. Just by the guys. way he sounds. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for Agreed. jumping in. And yeah, I I I think if you look at the tone of that, again, I thought he handled it well. And um, yeah, I think the nineteen being floated out there might be a shade high. I also don't think it's sixteen million. Let's not get crazy. You know, I I think it's it's in the ballpark of of a lower offer than they want, but. Um, I don't, think it's, uh, I don't think it's right at 19 with all these guarantees, people floated out, all that stuff. Uh, again, my position on this, Austin, is just stay at the table, man. Stay well, at the table to get this thing done. Yeah. And, and I've told you for a week, they're not there. It's not happening. It doesn't look good. So something's got to change to get them back. And, 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 and that's not even in the – there's no light at the end of the tunnel for that to happen.
3: One thing I want to ask you, and we can kind of answer this question after the break here, but you mentioned the fact that if he does not get paid this year, doesn't get a new contract in Yannick Ngakwe, um, the possibility of franchise tag him the following season then. And I think the franchise tag would be what, Frank? You got them, you know, like about $18 million? Maybe yeah, 17 I think million? by
2: that time, $18, $19 million. Okay,
3: yeah. okay. so say that they franchise tag him there. Well, then what happens after that? Do you think Yannick Kangakwe wants to play for the Jaguars and after he gets franchise tag? Because, no. spoiler alert, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, yeah, $18 million or $19 million is a lot of money, but the players hate the franchise tag. I want to talk about that when we come back on.
2: Yeah, and I'll tell you why he wants to play for the Jaguars this year, in my opinion. Uh, I'll give you that thought when we cool. come back. Uh, plus, Miles Jack, does he have a chance to get something done early? A little balling and falling early. I want to get to Baker Mayfield. Oh, God. It's all coming up on ESPN six nights.
4: I'm motivated to be the best. I'm still underrated in this league, you know what I mean? And my mom's my motivation, so I think about her every time I take the field. Because she works hard. Since I was a baby, I see her getting up
3: 4 a.m. every day to make ends meet, and
4: she still does that to this day. So that's my motivation.
2: Hey, that's John Eakin Yesterday morning, uh, as you reported to Jags headquarters for the first time this fall, 11-day holdout is over. Uh, we'll see what happens with those fines. Actually, we probably won't see what happens because uh, they won't make that known. Uh, but I don't think he's going to get fined a half a million dollars. Let's just say that. Um, which would be nice. At least that's a
3: little bump for the uh,
2: banking account, Austin. <laughs>
3: there you go. There you go.
2: What do you got there?
3: On uh, the uh, I'm the whiteboard? Yeah. Can you read it or not? Yeah.
2: Uh, in the latest edition of Who Gives a... F.
3: Yeah. Bachelorette uh, or... Drama. D- no, the b- oh, Bachelor just- Drama. Yeah. Did, did you see something happen on The Bachelorette? I don't know. Someone asked me, like, hey, did you, take, did you check it out? I'm like, let me go ahead and stop you right there because, no. Uh, not going to talk about The Bachelorette. Not going to get in The Bachelorette. Uh, I don't care about The Bachelorette. Like, I'm not going to go up to some stranger and be like, what do you think about Maria Canales on WWE maybe being pregnant or maybe me maybe being not pregnant, but she has a 24-7 belt right now. What are your thoughts about that? Like. I understand people don't get into wrestling that much that don't watch it, so that's cool. I don't get into The Bachelorette, and I don't really need to talk about
2: it. Yeah, well, please don't talk about it. We have a rule on this show. There's no talking about The Bachelorette. I work with somebody on the TV side that that I respect for 99% of things. Stuart Weber? But I absolutely can't stand the guy and have zero respect for his thoughts on that show and his love affair with that show. So um, we will not discuss it. Here. I yeah. and you know, I have to watch it at the office and then I have to go home and at like one in the morning I get home and my wife's watching it. And so yeah. I like see the same episode twice. It's brutal. Oh, okay, that's, that's it. no okay, more talking yeah. about
3: it. Yeah, like I said, something big happened, I guess. I don't know what it is and I'm not gonna talk about it, Brent. So uh, let's go get somewhere back else. Go read
2: uh, like the, 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 the magazines, uh, the tabloids at, at Publix or Win Dixie or something. Yeah. Um uh, Let's talk more about uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. They just got off the field, by the way, here in Baltimore. Uh, Stuart Weber catching up with Chris Conley, who, if you saw my Twitter, had uh, a crazy route that uh, people were, were looking at, you can see that. I, I just showed a little bit of video. The best part of this is one on ones. I said it earlier in the show. The one on ones between the receivers and corners. I love that part of it. Uh, that's what I like about these uh, these practices. They did do a live goal line session. Doug Marone said they would do that. So uh, we'll have a full recap on the TV side with pictures and interviews uh, tonight on First and Ten Training Camp 11:15 on CBS 47 and on Fox 30. We're doing a lot of TV stuff, of course, while we're up here in Baltimore. But hope to give you. Chris Conley and Stuart Weber's interview uh, coming up in just a little bit before the end of the show. Uh, we'll work to get that back uh, back home to Jacksonville so you can hear it as well. Nick Foles just uh, was on the podium, too. So that's kind of your update. Uh, the Jaguars, uh, overall, I thought were pretty good. I mean, I think this was the, the parts I saw. Uh, And I saw quite a bit of practice. I thought we were pretty good. One injury note. James Onwalu, who was listed as a co-starter at the strong side with Leon Jacobs at linebacker. He was the only injury I saw. He got carted off. It was a special teams play. Something to do with his uh, right leg. And he was visibly upset. You know, Austin, that deal. When you know something's wrong, you think something's wrong. So that's kind of the only injury news that I have. Of course, we probably won't hear more until uh, Doug Marone talks tomorrow. We don't know how severe it is but some linebacker depth, and linebacker continues to be a talking point for this Jacksonville Jaguars uh, football team. I want to answer your question about Yannick Ngakwe, and then we got to get to Baker Mayfield real quick. Uh, so Ngakwe, pose the question again.
3: Yeah, so uh, I asked, you know, I mean, assuming that Ngakwe doesn't get his contract this year, like which could very well happen. Um, Next year, the Jaguars have the option to franchise tag him, which is a, a high possibility considering they still have to pay Miles Jack eventually and Jalen Ramsey eventually. So let's say that they franchise tag uh, Ngakwe, which would put them at about, uh, all things considered, about 18 to $19 million for the franchise tag per, per that year. What happens after that? Does Ngakwe um, still want to be on the Jacksonville Jaguars after that? Because like I said, I, I told you, I mean, yeah, 18 to $19 million, whatever it is, is a lot of money but it's not a long-term deal. And I think sometimes players think that the franchise tag is kind of a cop-out. It's a way of showing, like, yeah, we want you on the team, but we don't value that much because we're just going to have you for the year. We, we don't value you as a franchise player. We're just going to kind of bend the rules a little bit and make sure you're still here. So my yeah. thoughts are is if Ngakwa gets franchise tagged, what happens after that?
2: Yeah, it's, uh, here's the deal. First of all, I think Ngakwe wants to play this year with the Jags because he knows his defense is so good. And we can talk about him on the field. Josh Allen, Ngakwe, and Calais Campbell. I mean... That's pretty darn good across the entire NFL. And so his numbers should go up, right? I mean, he should have a good year with those guys. Hopefully everybody stays healthy. This should be a great year for Yannick Ngakwe. Maybe his leverage goes up in the entire situation for the immediate future or down the road. I just think, yeah, do the Jags have an option to franchise tag again? Well, under the current CBA, they do. It would be even more pricey. So would they do that? I would think if they could franchise tag him once, then you hope you come to an agreement with him. Maybe things, you know, smooth out. Or, you know, it's hard to say, say they do have some hard feelings on both sides right now. Will that last and linger for the next year, year and a half, two years? Uh, it's hard to predict that. I'm not really sure. We'll get back to more Yannick and Gakwe in a moment. i got to get your quick thoughts before we go to break. The Chug, Baker Mayfield, quarterback, Browns, good look, bad look, you love it, you hate it. Huh.
3: Honestly, who the hell cares if the guy drank a beer or not? I mean, congratulations, he did something that every like everyone twenty-one year old could actually is capable of doing. Like, I don't. Dude, I he teen wolf that thing. No, I saw that part. A little aggressive. The fact that he bit into the side of it, the shotgun. It. I've never seen that. Like, if you have a pair, if you had a thing of keys or a knife, Baker, go and go with that. But I have no issue with it whatsoever. He drank it pretty fast. Once again, I don't care about that because I stopped caring about how, how people can drink when I was a sophomore in college. So. Cool. <laughs> it's Joe Namath
2: Blake Bortles syndrome. It if is. you do well, you're Joe Namath. If you don't perform well, uh oh, why does my quarterback look like that? He's the CEO of our franchise and what's he doing? You know? Yeah, yeah. I you know, listen, that sounds stupid, it sounds silly. I kind of tweeted in fun, I said Browns are going four and twelve. But the <laughs> bottom line is that's what people that. do. They view that, it's all perception based. I mean, Baker and the Browns have a lot of pressure on them this year. I'm not saying the chug
3: (laughs) gave them any more pressure, but but it adds to it. Chugging one beer is not going to make you tear your hamstring. It's not going to make you tear your rotator cuff. You probably won't even feel a breathalyzer if you drove home. So I don't think it's that big a deal. The guy was having a little fun. Welcome 2019. It's great to have you.
2: The Indians are playing well. Maybe the Browns will, too. We're back on ESPN 690 from Baltimore. All right, it was a little funny today. Nick Foles threw a pass, and it wasn't a great pass. And a little kid from the stands right behind me says, Nice throw, Blake.
3: <laughs> you was he wearing was a Ravens jersey? Of course he was. Yeah.
2: There were a few Jags fans out here, but uh, a little Blake reference. Um, on on the bad throw. Again, overall, uh, Foles talked after practice and and said he thought they did well. I think it was a mixed bag for Nick Foles, to be quite honest with you. Today, uh, middle of the field, when I was watching, again, we're watching in segments, so I'm not saying I'm charting these guys. Uh, Please don't misrepresent it, Uh, and I'm certainly not trying to, but I know you watch a period or two of it, and you're like, okay, a lot of balls on the ground, or the placement is probably a little off compared to what we've seen in practice. Uh, And then down near the red zone was pretty good. So I think it was kind of a mixed bag today for the Jaguars uh, offense and, and Nick Foles in the passing game, uh, even though these receivers have had a really nice camp. And I think Foles has had uh, a really nice camp. They got picked off, uh, I saw, somewhere uh, down in the... Um, in the red zone as well today. But uh, that was once we had come in here for the radio show. So Brent Martineau here in Baltimore, and actually Owings Mills, where the Ravens practice facilities, that's right here. I wish I could show you a little bit more of it, uh, but because the practice was going on still, we couldn't start our show outside. I'm debating actually moving outside, uh, but that could be a little risky. So uh, we are actually inside a beautiful facility. Uh, We're inside a studio right now, so it doesn't look beautiful. But uh, Owings Mills, about 35 minutes outside of Baltimore. Uh, The Jaguars are staying, actually, right near the Inner Harbor, so right downtown, not too far from the stadium. Uh, So really good setup overall for the Ravens and the Jaguars for these two days of practices, one of them in the books, and then on Thursday, of course, the first preseason game of 2019 we'll get to more of the jags on the field and i want to talk a little bit about the ravens because i like this practice setup and what it does for your football team i think we saw it with the patriots two years ago and with minnesota last year and and i think you can gain a lot this year i'm a little curious about that and i'll tell you why in just a bit brent martineau here in owings mills and uh, austin lane back there in jacksonville we'll have a tv timeout with john bachman in just a moment as well. In fact, let's get to that right now because I want to get to Freddie T stuff and I don't want to keep John too long. He's got stuff going on on this Monday coming up at CBS 47 and Fox 30. What's up, Johnny Box? The Dow is not doing well. Oh
0: my gosh, it's disastrous. Uh, a lot of reasons for that, primarily China, but obviously a lot of other bad news in the, in, in the news world today. So uh, yeah, that, that is just one of many depressing things to talk about today. Oh boy. Again. Yeah, I think I'd rather be talking football, but um, That's yeah, why I do this job? Yeah, no, it's you definitely on a day like today, I I definitely envy you. <laughs> we, I, I envy you a lot of days, but uh, especially today. Um, uh, but yeah, we we've got a, a couple of local takes on, of course, the the not one but two mass shootings this weekend. I don't want to be Debbie Downer. I don't want to talk too much about it, but uh, at least not here. We're going to talk a lot about it on Action News Jackson 5 and 6. So if you have concerns, um, you know, for most of our children, they're going back to school on Monday in a lot of districts in our area, certainly in the next week or two. And um, so you think of mass shootings, of course, the f- one of the first things parents think of is schools. And so we're looking at what some different school districts are doing and what the plans are in place um, to respond to this sort of thing. It's sad that that's where we are today and that um, as a as a society, you have to talk about having this discussion with your, you know, nine and 11 year old and 14 year old daughters like we do at my house. Um, but that's that's where we are. And uh, so that's what we're going to be talking about, unfortunately, a lot a lot tonight. Um we have some other stuff as well but that's that's you know to be sensitive to the topic at hand that's uh, the big story for today
2: well of course our thoughts with everybody we don't get into it as much but uh a weekend like that it was it was not good well, here in the united states and i will just uh, from a football standpoint tell you that the ravens and the jaguars had a moment of silence and a prayer uh before they started practice they came together middle of the field here in Owings mills maryland at the ravens practice facility and uh had uh, th- those victims in mind as well so obviously it's something that touches everybody well,
0: yeah, first of all, yeah, I saw that tweet. And that was very nice to, to see that picture as well. And mm-hmm. and that's that's what's sad is that it, it, I mean these things have. I mean we had the landing shooting, uh, you know. So I mean it, it touches. It, uh, sadly, it has become not just something that we all must be concerned about, but it's become close to reality for far too many cities in our country. Um, that is that is just a hard fact. Um, for those of you on the road right now listening, um, I can tell you we're also following a pretty good sized. Um, a wreck, uh, a big, a big uh, uh, cargo truck flipped on 295 near uh, Roosevelt. So uh, that was causing a real big mess on 295 in both directions. I think they've got southbound open now, but northbound still a bit of a mess. So um, we're covering that as well. We've got some dramatic video of that thing after it flipped. It caught fire, flames everywhere. So anyway, that's kind of a crazy story as well. Not that's not um, you know mass shooting related.
2: All right. Uh Well, I want to pick you up a little bit, John. Okay, yeah. I know it's a bad, Dude, yeah, uh, no, not please. a great news day coming up on CBS 47 and Fox 30 at 5 o'clock. Um, so I'll give you two options. Okay. Uh, chug a beer like uh, Baker Mayfield or yeah. play football until you're like 48 like Tom Brady? Oh, man, those are two good options. What do you think,
0: Austin? Both, man, obviously. Right? I mean, if, if I'm 48 years
3: old playing football, I'm chugging a beer while I'm doing it. As
0: I know, <laughs> hey, listen, Brady's on, one heck of a beer chugger from what I hear. I mean, you've seen the video. <laughs> I haven't seen the video. Oh, it? go Maybe look it have up, seen, yeah. You've seen it. Okay, I think the I've seen it. The man is like then. legendary. I mean, like his teammates yeah. are they, they, they respect his beer guzzling ability. Which is
3: shocking because I think I think the guy stays away from carbs for the most part. You know, he eats like all these crazy things, but maybe then, the he's not to chug a beer.
0: Maybe the carbs don't count when you can drink a beer in under three seconds. Yeah, that's a
3: good, yeah, that's <laughs> a good call. It just goes right through your body, man. That's your body a good can't tactic. Respond. I might have to try that. So Body can't even
0: adjust. What is everybody thinking about Baker's thing? I know it, it charged up the crowd there at the Indians game. Yeah. I, I mean, I, you know, my first, I had mixed emotions about it, but the reality is it it worked there at that time.
3: Yeah. I mean, there's I think there's two schools of thought. Obviously, one, it's all, that's awesome. You know, he chugged that thing. He bit into it and then shotgunned it. Very cool. And the other side's like, well, he's your starting quarterback. He's the face of the franchise. You can't be having a beer out in public and, you know, acting gal-banting around like that. I don't care. It's a he, he drank a beer. And like I told Brent before, I mean, he'd probably pass a breathalyzer. He's not going to tear a hamstring because of it. Not going to tear a rotator cuff because of it. The guy just enjoyed a basic beverage. And guess what? 90% of NFL players out there, if they're at their ho- their own confines of their own home, guess what? They're probably enjoying a basic beverage as well, especially during training camp when uh it can be pretty stressful. So, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. To tell you the truth. Yeah. But, People having hey, a He didn't
2: it. drive home. I'm sure he probably had a
0: driver.
3: Yeah, I'm anyway. sure. yeah. he
2: does. Bottom. Hey, bottom line is, I thought a lot of the things Johnny Manziel did was fun, and, and but I'm not relating. I'm just saying, if I'm a fan of the team, yeah. that gets a guy like that that likes to have fun, isn't afraid to go out. I, I, you like that stuff? It's it's fun. Say, hey, we liked a lot of the things Blake Bortles did. What he said in front of a microphone, you know, he yeah. was a regular dude kind of guy. I'm just saying, you don't see the other side of it. it, it the critical side of it would be you don't see. Tom Brady doing it you don't see Peyton Manning doing it you don't see quarterbacks doing that you don't see Russell Wilson you don't see successful franchise quarterbacks doing that kind of stuff in my does that mean you can't and still be good no I'm just saying it's not part of the formula usually unless you're a Joe Namath kind of guy and you play like that and you win big and and do those things that that makes Baker Mayfield one hell of a fun guy to be around And hopefully that's the case in Cleveland but it's you you set your, the table like people will refer to this video. If things go bad for Baker in the next year or two, they will refer back to yeah. moments like that to say, well, of course he couldn't be a successful franchise quarterback in the NFL. You know, it's just the way it is. That's
3: yeah, but it if is, he wins, he's going to be the you know oh, the guy's guy. Yeah, so exactly. that's the bottom line. Is
0: if he wins, it all or, and, and it's listen, all or nothing.
3: And and you can't put him in Johnny Menzel or Blake or uh, B- Blake it, Bortles category because think about it though. Like yes, he did chug a beer, and that's a very Johnny Menzel or Blake Bortles ask move to do. But also this is the same guy who's at training camp who called out some of his wide receivers during a press conference you never saw Blake Bortles you never saw Johnny Menzel hold players accountable and literally call them out during a press conference so I think Baker Mayfield yes he likes to have fun but he also kind of has this um this ego that you need like a Peyton man like a Tom Brady where he expects things to be done a certain way and if they're not he'll call people out about it and this is going into his second year only
2: yeah, he's that's rare, man. Listen, he is going to be so much fun to follow and watch, and he is going to be. It is going to be a heck of a ride either way. That's one thing with Baker Mayfield. I'm not convinced he's he's going to be great. I still am not convinced, but he is going to be fun. He is one of those players that you want to watch and you want to see every single Sunday night or Monday morning. But you also want to see what he says in a press conference here hear what he says, sure. and you want he want him to be mic'd up. You can't wait for Inside the NFL or one of those type of deals with Baker Mayfield. So he's. A fun guy, and, and just don't get it. I'm not trying to say he was Johnny Manziel like because of this one incident. That's how people are going to assume what I said. I uh, just say you can be put in those categories rather quickly, though, if you don't perform on the field.
3: Fair enough. Yeah, absolutely.
2: All right, Johnny, 5 o'clock, five. CBS 47, Fox 30. I'd take the 23 million by Brady, by the way, to play. Yeah, you, I would, too, for sure.
0: Uh, that's a lot of beers to
3: be him, man. Yeah, man. That's, uh, that's a yeah, lot of cases you, could, you can buy. That's exactly right. Thanks for having <laughs> me,
2: guys. Take care. All right, guys. Have a good one. Uh, or, John, have a good one. Uh, all right. Hey, man, did you see the latest on Freddy T? Uh, this thing's oh, not yeah. going away. Uh, it's Fred, Fred's going uh, back and forth still. And um, I got some thoughts on some more thoughts on it. Okay. And, you know, we talked about this last week. This this isn't about, and, and people on Twitter continue to remind us, and so we'll make it crystal clear. Freddie's point is not, and, and Tony Buscelli said this. We had his sound on Jaguars All Access the other night, and even on Friday we played it. Fred's point is not, I'm mad because Tony Buscelli was the number one player. That's not it. It's that I don't get any respect or the due that I deserved and earned over that my career. One, because it's Jacksonville. Maybe two, because people didn't push me enough. I want to talk about that part of it. How much is it the media's fault that Fred Taylor doesn't get enough love? Or that Tony Baselli already isn't in the Hall of Fame? Is it a lazy narrative, or is there some truth to it? Coming up next on ESPN 690. Hey, Brent Morton up in Owings Mills, Maryland. Home of the Baltimore Ravens, their practice facility at least. The Ravens and Jaguars practicing today. That one's in the books. They'll do it again tomorrow. Different schedule for the Jags. They've been going in the mornings. Well, they went at 1 o'clock today up until about 345, 4 o'clock. Uh, so a good session. Hope to hear from Chris Conley. Stuart Weber was catching up with him while I was on the radio side. Uh, Nick Foles just talked to the media as well. So hopefully some reaction coming out of Jags practice. Doug Marone talked prior to uh, the practice session today and of course Yannick Ngakwe is back that was the big story the last couple of days we've already talked a lot about it I do want to talk about the Ravens and the Jaguars on the field and we'll get to that in just a bit but you know what people are talking about around here as uh welcome in Austin Lane back in Jacksonville you know what the buzz was today once again
3: no hit me with it Fred Taylor Oh, okay. Yeah, I got you. I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about like the buzz. I got you. Yeah. I know. Sorry. I know.
2: But, but all the w- Fred Taylor, uh, in the last couple of days of last week, uh, about the All 25, and it wasn't necessarily about the All 25, but in conjunction with the All 25 team coming out and Tony Baselli being number one, Fred being number two, when he was announced as number two, he kind of blasted the whole thing. Yeah. And it has turned into now, I think, basically a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, five, six, Days of trying to state his case of why he's upset about it, uh, why he's passionate about it. And it kind of brought me today to, to thinking of... Does he have not just today does he have a point, but it kind of continues to put in more clear mind. Does he have a point here that he doesn't get enough love? We talked about the fragile Freddie label that that most people i've talked about since I've been here, and fragile Freddie label was before I got here, but I covered the last couple years of Fred uh, in Jacksonville, and everybody I'd always talked to about Fred Taylor, and still to this day they're like that was such. B.S. That he got labeled that. There was never anybody, at least that I've talked to around here, that said, "Yeah, that was appropriate." Or yeah. So, although it got out there for a segment of time, I feel like, like when I say Freddie Taylor to people, I don't think people think of that. I don't even think outside of Jacksonville when I say Fred Taylor, people say that or think of that. Now, maybe they do, but the people I talk to or ask about. They don't say that. People bring up the longevity, the over 10,000 yards, the 4.6 yards per carry, the Jim Brown comparison with that yards per carry, the Barry Sanders comparison with that yards per carry. I mean, that's heady company right there. That's where I've always argued, Fred. Longevity is one of it now with the running back position because we've seen guys like Terrell Davis get in, and we see what longevity at that position means. That's valuable. There's something to say for that alone, no matter how much – you rushed for how many touchdowns you scored but i always thought fred's best case was the 4.6 because it put him in the company of jim brown and barry sanders who are no doubt hall of fame guys to me that was his best selling point to get national recognition and my other view on this from afar until this had come up for the last five days uh, five days or so And Fred has been so passionate on social media about it and and also willing to go back and forth. Uh, The latest today was with Gene and and several others. But my view has been, and I don't know if I'm right in this view, but it has been, If Tony Baselli can get in, once he gets in, then that opens the door for guys like Fred and Jimmy Smith to join the conversation. Now, again, right or wrong, that's been my view of it. And I'm of the point of view now, it's like, okay, we're a few years past the due date for Tony Baselli to get in. We all believe that in Jacksonville. We all believe he should be a Hall of Famer, and he's not in yet. So by now, we should be talking about a guy like Fred Taylor or Jimmy Smith. But we're still talking about Tony Baselli because he can't knock down that can't door you know what i mean
3: austin i get what you're saying here brent but let's kind of go back to what you first started out with here where the the whole narrative of the, the fragile freddie thing because let's be honest here this isn't freddie this isn't fred taylor versus the jacksonville jaguars this isn't fred taylor versus tony baselli this isn't fred taylor versus any one of his teammates this is in my opinion fred taylor versus the jacksonville media And I think a big part of that came from the whole Fragile Freddy thing. Now, listen, obviously I wasn't around Jacksville when that whole thing went down. I'm not sure who started it. I'm not sure if it was a local thing or a national thing. But my point is this. It was there. And even when I was in Wisconsin growing up as a kid, I remember hearing, you know, the the narrative of Fragile Freddy. I mean, that was just – it was almost like a a global kind of thing. If you're the Jacksonville media – and you, you said it yourself, Brent, you weren't here when that happened. But at the same time, did anybody stick up for Fred Taylor and said, No, we're not gonna use the the whole, the whole fragile Freddy thing? Did anybody go on a radio show and say whoever invented that thing to say knock it off because it's stupid? Um it's it's not journalism, it's just it It's a dumb take. So many times these days, and I've done it myself, Brent. I remember when Ross Tucker had his article, I think, for the athletic, and he talked about the whole culture in Jacksonville, how, um, it's down, you know, and I basically blasted Ross Tucker because I disagreed with him. And that's what, uh, you know, journalists, especially in Jacksonville, want to do now, where if someone comes out with a report that they don't agree with, or if that narrative is wrong, then, the the whole I guess argument would be to try to grill those people. I remember Jason Lacofora, when he mentioned Jacksonville going to England. Um, I know the local media hated that narrative and they, they grilled them for that. How come nobody grilled the whole narrative of Fred, uh, of Fred Taylor being fragile? Because as far as I'm concerned, that never happened. Because if it did happen, then that would have got out.
2: Yeah, and I guess that's my point, Austin. You know, maybe in this. I don't. That's a silly way to label it, but maybe in our our circle of media folks, when I've brought this up, when I've talked to people about even the early years of Fred, and they they actually share all the stories about how much he grew as a player, uh, how much he grew in front of a microphone, how much he grew in that locker room. Uh, I think how much he grew personally here in Jacksonville. He kind of hit on some of those things today as well, which I thought was a pretty good insight. But I never, most people that I bring that up to said he was unfairly labeled that. So. Now, did they push that through to the national folks? Maybe they didn't, and and maybe that's that's where uh, it stuck. Let, let me give you. So my question is, how much of this is the local media's fault for not pushing guys like Baselli, guys like Fred, guys like Jimmy Smith enough? to the national uh, media, and to the Hall of Fame voters to be in the conversation. I think Pete Prisco gets a lot of credit, and rightfully so, for keeping Tony's name, because he's a national writer now and, and a, amongst the national guys, and I think he does a good job of it. I will I will say this. If you're going to associate blame for Tony Baselli not being in the Hall of Fame, while there might be along the way some blame for the organization for not pushing hard enough, and that might be true, For local media, not pushing enough, that might be true. For the voter, which is Sam Kavaris, and I think he gets a bad rap at that sometimes, but I don't know if it's fair or not because I'm not in the room. So he's the voter from Jacksonville and represents Jacksonville for the Hall of Fame. And so a lot of people criticize Sam for that, but I'm not in the room. So how much does he lobby? How much has he lobbied over the years? I, I don't know. I think sometimes that can be an unfair attack even on Sam um, in that respect. But the fault of why Tony Baselli isn't in the Hall of Fame lies on the Hall of Fame voters. Let's not make any mistake about it. They are the ones that have screwed this up to this point. They are the ones that have not put him in, and he deserves to be in. When you have Anthony Munoz, maybe the best to all time ever do it. When you have John Hanna, maybe the best to all time play the guard position. When you have guys like that, Saying Tony Baselli 's one of the best to do it ever, and should be in the Hall of Fame. Well, those Hall of Fame voters aren 't listening then, man I mean that 's on them too, so let 's not just put it on the local media and, and by the way, local media i 'm not saying hey, save us here don't don't I think there 's probably some blame in fact, to the point, Austin, I left the Super Bowl this year, and I might have even said it to you. I felt when we left the Super Bowl and Tony Vaselli didn't get picked again, I thought with this radio show, one thing I wanted to do, and by the way, it's still on my list, is I said, you know what? I wasn't around when Tony Vaselli played. But maybe we can do more. Maybe we can do more to keep Tony in the consciousness of the voter, of the, the national writer, of not just wait until Super Bowl week or a couple of weeks before or when the finalists are out. Maybe we can get some of those Hall of Fame voters on. And that is our plan this year, once this ceremony passed, actually was to say, hey, let's get some of these guys on and say, why aren't they allowing Tony Buscelli in? What's the knock against Buscelli? Is there more than just this longevity one that that people have talked about? So that is kind of a plan of ours, and it was coming out of the Super Bowl uh, maybe for the next five or six months to try to get some of these guys, get perspective outside of Jacksonville. We all know that he should be in, and he's not. Uh, And so I guess what I am wrong on this front. I feel like if we have any kind of voice, it would have been toward Baselli to get in because we feel like he's overdue. Well, maybe the voice should be a little bit louder for Fred at the same time. Uh and maybe we shouldn't wait for that first domino to fall and then Fred gets in, you know, then Fred gets a mention and Jimmy Smith gets a mention, all those guys. Uh so maybe we are at fault to some degree. Uh maybe the organization uh and, and the local media for not keeping all their names. Uh, up on there to, to to get into Canton, Ohio. I just feel like at times Baselli feels so close; it feels like it's about to happen. And then, man, you feel so good until the, they actually knock on the door or or ring the, the the hotel room, and he doesn't get in another year. So, um, you know, I, I guess a, a roundabout way, I, I do think we we probably have some blame, all of us uh, to some degree, uh, and and not just the early year guys. You can keep this going. You know, we we can always keep the conversation going. We we are at Super Bowl and the draft and all these other places. Uh, I don't know if they're going to listen to Brent Martineau from ESPN 690 in Jacksonville, but I do want to do that a little bit more and have those guys on and say, all right, what's the hold up here? You know, because you talk to a lot of other guys. They're like, oh, yeah, he's in. He deserves to be in. We talk to a lot of those writers at Super Bowl week. Yeah, he should be in. He should be in. Okay, well, I'm losing count. Where are the no votes coming from? (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And you'd almost like to dig that up on Tony, too. It's not just the Fred thing. And by the way, there will be a point where we get to a Jimmy Smith part of this, too. A lot of people think Jimmy Smith should be in the conversation. Go look at his numbers. Go look at what he did. And I think he should be in the conversation.
3: So here's the thing, though. Okay, so let's start with Tony Baselli. First, Tony Baselli played offensive tackle. Right, so we don't have the numbers to go off of. All we have to go off of with his numbers are the fact that how many games he started, how many games he played in, and how many seasons he lasted. That's all you have to go off of. They don't keep track of pancakes. They don't keep track of how many guys like, got drove, driven back more than 10 yards. Those stats aren't available. So all we have to go off of of Tony Baselli is what we saw on film and what his peers say about him. What his peers say about him is that he's one of the best to ever do it. Um, the accolades are there. He was, uh, he was an all, he was a member of the all decade team. So that's all you need right there. Now, yeah, I get it. The one thing against him is, is, is the longevity. You know, he had some injuries. So be it. But to sit here and say, well, you know, let's first get Vaselli in and then we'll focus on Fred Taylor. You know, like once we once we open the dam, then the, the dam's going to flood and then all these Jaguars are going to... And then Jimmy Smith. It doesn't have to be like that. We, we, and, I, and you know what? Then I'll, I'll take some blame myself where I think we can t- promote Tony Baselli and Fred Taylor. Because Fred Taylor played a position where you can point to the stats. Where you can point to a 4.6 um, yards per carry for his entire career of 13 years. You can point to the stats that he rushed for over 11,000 yards. You, 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 you can point to those stats. And listen, I understand that we should focus maybe just on on, on Tony Buscelli first, but for Taylor, but why not do both, Brent? Um it's not that crazy to try to push Fred Taylor as well, I think, because he has the stats to back it up. And if you ask his peers, I'm sure teams that he went against, whether it's the Steelers, the Titans, whoever it was, will tell you first and foremost that they hated playing against Fred Taylor because he would tear him apart. So from that perspective, while I see like, yeah, we need to get one guy in first before the dam opens, but at the same time, to me, it's easier to get Fred Taylor in because you can point to his stats as opposed to Tony Baselli, where we have to go more from what his peers say.
2: Well, it's you know what's interesting here? The parallel is not that different from the Yannick and Co- contract extension talk. You know, it's were you the best at your position at that time? And that's what a lot of people go to on the Hall of Fame vote. There was a lot of competition for Fred Taylor. Plus, he's playing in a smaller market. Most people consider Tony Baselli during that stretch when he played to be the best at his position. And I think that's kind for whatever, for right or wrong, that seems to be a narrative that gets in our consciousness. Uh, I want to read you this. Fred Taylor tweeted today, I loved playing in Jacks. As I've stated before, it was a gift and a curse. God only gives you what, gives you, what you can handle. I had time to grow up in a small market. My legacy will forever be intact, unlike guys who went after the money. Meanwhile, Vito Stellino, who does have a Hall of Fame vote and worked in Jacksonville for a long time, said, yes, Fred, you had a Hall of Fame talent, but the curse was you didn't play in a bigger market on Super Bowl teams like Terrell Davis' short career, Emmett Franco, and Gazanka, who had 8,061 yards. But life has its trade-offs, and as you said, you had time to grow in a small market. Vito probably put it pretty well. Um, but uh, that doesn't mean Fred's case uh, isn't anything less. Hey, more to come, including Ballin' and Fallin' next from Baltimore to Jacksonville on ESPN 690. Why does Tom Brady do it? Why does he keep taking these cheap deals? Cheap deals, $23 million. That's how we talk about cheap deals <laughs> in, uh, in the NFL. Uh, but when you're talking about Tom Brady, it kind of feels that way. Brent Martineau here in Owings Mills, Maryland. Baltimore and the Jaguars finishing up their uh, joint practice day one. They'll do it again tomorrow. They'll play preseason game on Fox 30 coming up Thursday night from Baltimore. Again, uh, we are at the practice facility. That's about a half hour outside of Baltimore in the Inner Harbor uh, where the team is staying. We're staying in team hotel as well. Uh Brent Martineau here, Austin Lane, back in uh, Jacksonville. Hope everybody had a good weekend and having a good uh, first day uh back to the work week. I don't know what the weather is there, but uh, you can it's you know it's hot for them. Uh here in Baltimore, but it's really not hot, Austin. I mean, it's pretty No, nice.
3: exactly. Like what are you th- talking about 70s here, 80s? No,
2: no, it's actually it's upper upper 80s lower 90s uh, okay. this week. So it is pretty warm, but like I was watching the the news last night and the the weather guy was like, "Yeah, it's a little bit sticky out there." Trust me, dude. It wasn't sticky. It yeah. was, like, beautiful.
3: <laughs> yeah, tell him to calm down a little yeah. bit. You, 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 yeah, you have no idea what the word sticky even means. Compared um, to Jacksonville. All
2: right, let's do some balling and falling. I'll even get it going, because I want to talk Tom Brady, and that's my balling. Uh, it might have been yours, too. I don't know. Nope, but, it wasn't. You're good. <laughs> all right. Uh, so, listen. I predicted this guy would retire after he won the Super Bowl last year. That ain't happening. Yep. N- now he seriously might play for another few years. The flexibility in his contract. The selfless nature, if you will, it's hard to say someone's selfless when they're going to make fifteen million or twenty three million, but you've got to put it in the context, folks I mean you're talking about the Russell Wilsons of the world, the Aaron rodgers of the world, the whoever of the world making thirty two thirty four thirty three th- those kind of dollars there's no doubt over the last and, and don't even take this one alone. Take it over the last two, three, four, five, six years, the best quarterback to ever live has taken less money for the benefit of a good football team, and flexibility for the football team. Now, I think the team will take care of him for a long time to come. I kind of threw it out there this week. Somebody tell me that he's getting stock and ownership at the end of this thing. He's been promised of it. (laughs) I mean, he has to, for all this flexibility. And then, you know what everybody threw back is like, well, he's got a supermodel wife who makes more than him, Giselle. I get it, but there's still ego attached, right? There's ego attached to being the highest paid guy. There's... And some would argue that Tom Brady is doing, you know, he's not because we've seen the quarterback salaries go up, but you could make the case at some point, I would imagine in all of this, that taking cuts at the best player at your position actually is a disservice to the rest of the quarterbacks that play in the NFL because what you want to do is set the market, not lower the market. Sure. And at times, Brady, if you look at it, he's lowered the market. I mean, he's the sixth highest paid quarterback at $23 million. I think he was like the 15th highest paid quarterback last year, right around like <clears throat> Blake Bortles territory. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's unbelievable what this guy has done for flexibility. You know what the other crazy part is, Austin, yeah. is I don't feel like the Patriots pay a lot of other people like huge salaries. I mean, Gronk was making good money. Uh, I mean, they, they don't just throw money around. So they create this flexibility in their cap that uh, I think is pretty impressive. I think it's an admirable admirable thing. I don't know what else to say to Tom Brady other than hats off. I mean, he wants to keep winning rings. He knows what it takes. And if you pay just the quarterback position in the NFL, you run the risk of not being good in other places, a la Seattle in the offensive line mm-hmm. the last few years, or maybe it's somewhere else in a bad defense.
3: Well, and it's almost – I don't want to say it's genius because, I mean, yes, he has taken a pay cut – and it helps him out though but look at it from this perspective the fact that he takes a pay cut like we just said helps his team the team around him uh build more talent because they can afford more talent and in doing so it makes him the better quarterback because now he's winning games he has more guys to throw to the defense has his back and in turn he wins games what happens he signs more contracts he signs more contracts so yeah. it's almost like a like a long-term um deal that he's doing here where you know he, he takes a little pay cut but then he signs, but he makes up for it. With another contract four or five years down the line, uh, but the Patriots they do do things a different way, you know. I mean, even in terms of their big name free agents, a guy that comes to mind right off the top of my head is Chandler Jones. You know, Chandler Jones was a, a premier pass rusher for the New England Patriots, uh, and one that you know I think anybody would would have signed, but the Patriots let him walk. You know, and they basically said, "Listen, we can't pay you what you want. Uh, good luck someplace else. We're fine without you." And truth be told, um, they haven't lost much without him.
2: Yeah, uh, you know it's it's an admirable deal, and and you're right in that. I mean, listen, he's it's not like he's not making any money. I mean, he's it's it's all, um, it, it's just a fascinating thing. I I I took it in this weekend. I was like, there's got to be something hidden here, you mm-hmm. know. And and I'd love to see it on the back end. I mean, does he get older? How much longer is he going to play?
3: I mean, if you keep winning Super Bowls, I mean, you you'd think at least another four or five years, Brent. Honestly. I mean, wh- why, why would you stop if you're doing so good?
2: Yeah, I, I really thought. I mean, now I do think – I thought there was a part of – everything looked hard for the Patriots last year, you know? After looking so easy at times. Even, gosh, when they lost to the Giants those couple of years, the rest of it looked easy until, like, the second half of those games. It, last year looked hard in a lot of ways. You know, they, they yeah. got lucky. Uh, you know, the, the, uh, the unnecessary roughness call, rough in the passer call against Kansas City – uh, you know 13 to 3 win against the Rams early in the season they didn't even look the part they got blasted by the Jags last year was tough and i thought you could almost sense when we were covering the super bowl i was like you can sense that this is hard and their time might be running out and they almost feel like that and so i predicted two things after they won the super bowl i thought brady would surprisingly retire well dead wrong on that mm. and my other one is i do believe that that was the end of the run I think the G- the Patriots under Brady and Belichick, well, I should say with Brady and Belichick together, are not going to win another one. Not this year. Not next year. Not three years down the road. I think it's over. I do. And I, yeah, well, I, I think. And, and by the way, is that a little blind guess? Probably, but I do think it's a. I just felt last year was so hard for them that I don't think that's going to turn. It's only going to get more difficult for Brady as he continues to get older, and everybody else as they get younger, more athletic, and better at the QB position. If you look at the AFC, if if Andrew Luck's healthy, well, he's good. Patrick Mahomes, he's good. You know who who knows what other quarterbacks emerge, but I think the time is running short for the Patriots, but I feel like we might have been able to say that for the last 10 years at various points.
3: And with all things considered, though, with the Patriots... We take, you know, for granted sometimes just how great that culture and how great their coaching is. And you saw that firsthand when they played the Rams. You know, they threw a new defense out there that the Rams hadn't seen and completely shut them down. And you saw that even against week two when the the Jaguars steamrolled them. You know, they kind of got their guys in line and said, listen, it's only week two, not a big deal. And they rebounded pretty well. So they're looking shaky in the beginning of the season. Obviously finished out stronger than anybody, and that's a result of great coaching in the culture. So when you have those two things with a great quarterback, Brent, it's hard to count out a team of making another Super Bowl run. And don't forget as well, yes, Payton, I mean, Payton Manning, uh, Tom Brady's getting up there in age, no doubt about it. But the one thing that the Patriots have always kind of looked for is that first and second down back. You know, they've been through so many of them and they finally found that guy with Sonny Michelle. So now you got Sony Michelle, the first and second down back, James White, who's been a, a very key cog in that running game and in the passing game as well. Um, you know, out of the backfield. I mean, I think they have the pieces to make another run, hands down.
2: Yeah, well, by the way, uh, just to go against my myself here, um, I think you bring up good points. Also, reports out of Patriots camp from some of the national guys that have attended is look out for this defense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because they really have had a pretty average defense over the last few years. Now, that's a defense that had a great plan and shut down the Rams. But if you look at it in its totality, mm-hmm. I think it's been... Yeah, well, it's been it's been kind of that defense that will bend and and not fully break. They're really good in the red zone, um, but now people are saying, "Look out! They got a lot of young talent, a lot of talent on this defense. We'll see how good it is." The only good thing about it uh, is Tom Brady and I are uh, about they're We're the same age. And it's good to see that we've both accomplished a lot.
3: Very, in, uh, boxing, very, very boxing. admirable on both accounts, Brent. Very admirable on both accounts. <laughs> all right, what you got for balling? Balling, Brent. Uh, so the X Games happened this weekend, and the X Games, uh, when I asked you what I was doing, I mean, a lot of it uh, had to do with the X Games as well. It's something I hold very close to my heart. It kind of brings back the childhood nostalgia a little bit for me. One of my fondest memories was Tony Hawk landing the 900 um, in competition. I remember exactly where I was, what I was doing when that happened. And uh, while I'd love to give uh, you know balling to all the performances, that I saw this past week at the X Games. I'm going to give it to two people. Um, So shout-out and ball to Michi Brusco for landing the first ever 1260 in completion um, during a competition. And then also shout-out to Misugo Akimoto for being the youngest gold medalist um, ever at the X Games. She's 13 years old from Japan and won gold in in this this, uh, skateboard street um competition so i saw, saw that 1260 by the way insane
2: yeah i saw it live i don't know why i was watching that at the time yeah. but i saw it i think i was like uh eating and it was on the tv yeah but uh, uh real quick i'm gonna give you my fallen. you can do your fallen and stay in your lane when we come back i cool. gotta go run out and do tv for a few minutes so um here's my fallen. it's simply the red Sox. they've lost eight in a row man Not eight good. in a row they're out of the race Thankfully for my Huckleberry bet. But I really want to... I go back... It's like the 15th time Chris Sale has been my um, fall in this year. Sure. I think what you... If you look at the last two times he's pitched, the Red Sox had won three in a row. We're going for a sweep against the Yankees at Fenway last week. He couldn't win that game. Or that would have been a four-game sweep and a ton of momentum. Well, they've lost eight straight since. Or seven since that loss, too. And then the other day, they'd lost five in a row and they need a stopper and... He can't get it done. Chris Sale, in a nutshell, is the easy way to say why the Red Sox have stunk coming off the World Series. But uh, that's your little baseball talk here on a Monday. Red Sox stink. Go A's. Go Rays. Go Twins in the Huckleberry (laughs) bet. Simple as that. Austin Lane coming back with his following and stay in your lane. And then we'll talk football, football, football for the remainder of the program from Baltimore to Jacksonville right here on ESPN 690.
3: Welcome back to ESPN 690. Brent had to go for a, a quick venture, I guess. I'm not really sure what happened with Brent. I don't know. He's, he's probably having more crab cakes without me. I'm not bitter that I'm not there. I'm having fun in Jacksonville. You know what I'm, you know what it is. I'm, I'm Duval till I die. Uh, I'm not going to Baltimore and doing that whole thing, but I... So I wish I was kind of there. But whatever. Uh, it is what it is. They weren't going to expense my trip, so I'm here. Uh, I'm going to finish up Fallen here real quick. I haven't said my Fallen yet. I'm born and Fallen. Brought to you by Driving Dish Podcast. Uh, a Coups production, if you will. But Fallen, and this is basketball-related here koos Check this one out. And I'm kind of bitter that Brent's not here to hear this because I know he would lose his mind. But let's go to the FIBA, or the FIBA, or also known as the International Basketball Federation. Hey, that abbreviation doesn't match what it says, but whatever, who's keeping track, uh, but do better. Uh, DJ Cooper, a former basketball player from Ohio University, is suspended for two years after his urine showed uh, that he was pregnant. Huh? Turns out that DJ Cooper was on some kind of drug and opted to cheat on his urine test by using his girlfriend's instead. Unfortunately, his girlfriend was pregnant. Uh, DJ got busted, and now he is suspended uh, by the FIBA for two years. I'm also guessing. I'm also guessing
1: he didn't know she was pregnant.
3: Um, or maybe he did. He just didn't think that would show up in a a urine test. Gonna be honest, I don't think I would know. I mean, if I was the cheat, never have cheated before. I've never taken steroids or anything like that. But if I was the cheat, I'm not sure. I would know that a pregnancy can come up in urine. i going to be honest with you. Um, they can see everything in that stuff. Yeah. Needless to say, though, <laughs> not a good look, man. Like, I think next time, uh, just don't do drugs or um, ask one of your friends, ask one of your teammates. Don't ask your pregnant girlfriend. A lesson learned. you will have two years to think about that mistake. I wonder if she's going to get in trouble at all. Good, good call. I have no idea. I feel like the last thing you want to do is take off a pregnant lady, though, man.
1: No, but, like, I mean, you know, she helped in a way. Um, um,
3: probably
5: I mean, yeah. knowingly,
3: or I would. So, yeah. Well, hey, let's hope it was knowingly. For all <laughs> things considered, all right. So let's just get. Let's just get in. Uh, stay in your lane here before we go down too much of a slope. Uh, cruise control. Going out to the UFC fights this past weekend. It was UFC, I think five, on ESPN. Uh, I didn't know it was gonna be on ESPN Plus or ESPN because. I've said it before on this show, ESPN doesn't necessarily cater to the fighters that much, but it was on ESPN, started at 3 o'clock, ended at 6, 7 o'clock. Not a bad time frame, but the story, which the one I was talking about was Colby Covington, Robbie Lawler. And uh, I think I, I let my maybe emotions get in the way of wanting Robbie Lawler to win because Colby Covington's a guy who has said some pretty outlandish things in the past uh about some brazilian fighters and also the country of brazil in general he's been banned from fighting in brazil but one thing you can't knock is the guy is talented um the, the the guy fought a an absolute beast in Robbie Lawler and all things considered man shut Robbie Lawler out like it was nobody's business uh he threw the most strikes ever in a UFC fight with 500 something had over 20 takedowns uh kobe covington man i mean cruise control and it was funny I don't talk a lot about MMA on Twitter and social media because I don't want to deal with MMA fans, okay? It would be like, imagine football fans and then multiply that times 30. It's a lot of people that have never been in a cage before. It's a lot of people that maybe listen to a podcast or just watch on TV but don't necessarily know exactly what's going on. And I got into it a little bit, I'm going to be honest, on Twitter – Uh after the, after the whole fight, and the basis of it was, is, and I still stick by what I said on Twitter, is that Colby Covington is a fighter who relies more on his gimmick than he it does his skill set. And a guy by the name of Chailson did the exact same thing because people don't tune in to see 20 takedowns. People may tune in to see an output of 500 strikes per match, but people want to see KOs. People want to see the knockouts, the highlight reel kicks to the face, and the highlight reel punches. And Colby Covington, for most part, Hasn't done that in his past couple of fights, so he has to rely on his gimmick. Now, usually I don't respond to people that want to troll or, like, you know, talk to me about MMA. as I really don't care. But this guy, take Kobe Covington, in the, in the the tweet thread, and basically he said, oh, Austin Lane said that Kobe Covington doesn't have a style that people want to watch. Well, 500 significant strikes and 20 takedowns, I want to watch that. takes Kobe Covington. So I had two options. Either I just let it go, or I respond back. If he didn't take Colby Covington, I wouldn't respond back because I don't care. But the fact that he take Colby Covington in it, I wouldn't double or nothing basically. And I said, forget it. If you could take Colby Covington, I'm not afraid, and I'll speak my mind. And, and and I said the truth. If you if you watched after that fight, what was trending? It wasn't the fact that he set the record for the most strikes in a UFC match. It was for the fact that he had the, both uh, Trump sons in his corner um, on TV giving. Be honest awkward thumbs up. It was a little awkward. Uh, it was the fact that he had a very cringeworthy entrance, which was by design. He did the, the whole Kurt Angle theme. Nobody was talking about his significant strikes. Well, then the, the I, and I said that in the tweet. Then the guy responds back, responds back. And it was, it just, it was a response that got nowhere. And I should have probably responded back to dude so many times. But he ended up saying that Colby Covington, um, is just like the Diaz brothers when it comes to boxing. In which case, I had to say, well, pump your brakes real quick because, yes, the Diaz brothers are good boxers, but they're completely different boxers. One fight's on the inside, one fight's on the outside. I made that point, conversation over. I'm like, I can't talk to you anymore, man. I mean, if, if you're going to tell me that the, the Diaz brothers are the exact same type of boxers, I can't talk to you anymore. I can't have a conversation with you because you don't get the sport. So that being said, man, I think Colby Covington, his stock went up a little bit, obviously. Now, the whole thing after where he gave his – you know, post-fight speech, a little cringeworthy, but that's what he kind of lives off of, and. That's kind of the days in of of the UFC now where it's almost like the WWE where you gotta say these outlandish things. You gotta yeah, you gotta be like the trending story on Twitter because that's how you get paid. So yes, Colby Covington crosses the line more times than not, but then the day people are talking about him and I think he's uh talked his way into the title picture next with Kamara Usman. So props to him. But if you guys get a chance, wa- watch his walkout, watch his post fight comments, um, I'll just say this, and I'll leave it at that. We'll go to Pumpy Breaks then. Colby Covington, yes, he's an outlandish guy, and during his post-fight speech, had something to say about Matt Hughes, who was a UFC legend, um, who was said to park his car on a train uh, a train track and then get hit by it. He survived that accident. Well, of course, Colby Covington, being himself, brought that to light um, in a not-so-good way, I'll just say, and kind of smack talked um matt hughes you know who's going through a lot in his life and people are getting on him about it once again i think that's kind of crossing the line but people are talking about it i'm not going to tell someone how to act uh in the cage because at the end of the day once you go in the cage you do whatever you want man you're you're the gladiator you're in the arena and i'm just a spectator watching you do it so it is what it is so uh cruise control i guess colby covington um,'s performance pump your brakes Welcome to the Pump Your Breaks Award of the Year. A- the envelope, please. And the award goes to Quinnen Williams of the New York Jets. Check out this audio here.
4: My radio, I got an 80 on Ultimate Team, so I'm going to go play with myself today. So, see how I feel. That came out
3: weird. <laughs> yeah, I'm mad. I'm going to play with myself, i mad so thank god that he tried <laughs> he corrected himself a little bit he acknowledged it but hey a little advice to all you rookies out there don't say that because i guarantee the next three or four weeks now in the locker room especially being a rookie like Quinnen williams is that's gonna be on repeat on a cd or an mp3 but Quinnen williams will never hear the end of that now um It's a good thing he has that first-round money to back it up, man. But, yeah, Quentin Williams, man, pump your brakes just a little bit. When we come back to the ESPN 690, more football talk. I think more Yannick Ngakwe. What else happened at the the Baltimore Ravens uh, practice today with the Jacksonville Jaguars? We're getting into who looked good, who has to improve a little bit, and so much more. Stay tuned, ESPN 690.
2: Hey, welcome back. Thanks for hanging out with us here on a Monday. Hope you had a great weekend, everybody. We're excited. Uh, I get fired up for this because it's a change of pace, change of scenery. uh, After 10 days or 11 days, whatever it was, back in Jacksonville, I think these teams are fired up, but, uh, heck, I get fired up, too. So hopefully you are. Uh, The Ravens and Jaguars practicing today. It went well. They'll do it again tomorrow. And then on Thursday, of course, first preseason game of 2019. Uh, Doug Marone always says, so be ready for this. Everybody will ask oh, who's going to play and how much will guys play? He always says, I determine the night before. Now, I'm not fully sure I believe that he determines that the night before. They probably have a plan in place, but it allows him to tweak that plan up until... Uh, the day before, so we'll see who ends up playing and for how long, but we pretty much know how the preseason games go by now, what number one means, what the second one means, what the third one means, and, well, the fourth one's just a complete waste of time. Brett Martineau in Owings Mills, Maryland, at the uh, Baltimore Ravens, beautiful practice facility, and Austin Lane, back in Jacksonville, Uh, thanks for hanging out with us. We've got a Chris Conley interview coming up in just a short time. If you missed his route running today, I had a a little bit of video on Twitter, and uh, a lot of people have seen it. It's created quite a buzz. Uh, you can check that out. And uh, Stuart Weber catches up with Chris Conley after practice in just a short time. A couple of news and notes to tell you about Austin from this practice. Again, I thought it was a mixed bag for Nick Foles. Uh, depends who you talk to or what time they were seeing. But there was a section of the practice where in the middle of the field I thought the ball was on the ground quite a bit. And it wasn't always the receiver's fault, so probably a little the passing game I thought struggled at that point picked it up a little bit in the red zone at times so um, mixed bag on the offensive side of things I believe the watching the offense uh, the receivers go against the ravens Uh, Secondary is a lot of fun, and obviously watching this Jacksonville Jaguars secondary work uh, is a lot of fun. Boye, of course, has not been working. Uh, Speaking of, DJ Hayden, too, uh, not here uh, for personal reasons. Not sure if he'll be here tomorrow or for the game on Thursday. Have very limited information on that, but uh, he was not here today uh, at the uh, practice between the Ravens and the Jacksonville Jaguars. And one injury note. Uh, again, which hopefully will be discussed or talked about a little bit more tomorrow when we talk to uh, Doug Marone. James Onwalu, the uh, linebacker, injured on a special teams play. He was carted off the field, uh, so we don't know the severity. He was very frustrated with the injury uh, and looked to be in a decent amount of pain, but we don't really know what that means uh, uh, going forward. So uh, anyway, that's kind of catching everybody up on the uh, news and notes portion of this joint practice. Hey, uh, remind me uh, again, Austin, and I know we talked a little bit about the facilities early on uh, in the program today, but how many times did you do this in your career?
3: Uh, Do what?
2: Uh, Practice with another team.
3: Oh, um, just my time in Jacksonville. So it would have been three years we did that, and that was in Atlanta. We uh, we did two years, I want to say, in Atlanta, and then the last year um, Atlanta came here.
2: Okay, so that was Flowery Branch up there for a yeah, couple which is of a times. very nice area. Uh yeah.
3: you know that they, they put us up in the hotels. Um, very nice setup. Uh, you know it was warm, but so is Jacksonville. So <laughs> nothing really changes there. But um, as far as like the facilities are concerned, yeah, they're they're top notch in Atlanta.
2: Okay, uh, good stuff. Did you get a lot out of it? Did you feel like you got something out of it? Or was it just a change of scenery that you guys needed at that point? Do you remember?
3: Yeah, oh, absolutely, man. I remember like it was yesterday. Um, I remember the last time that I practiced uh, with the Falcons was here in Jacksonville back in 2012. And we were doing, so basically it was like a, it was run team. So it was two on ones, basically. It was a tight end and the tackle on me. And, uh, you, know, you, you know, it's going to be a run and you got to hold your ground. And I'll never forget. And uh, forgive me, I can't remember the tight end's name, but he was a rookie. And we actually we had the same agent at the time. And, you know, I have Joe Cullen in my ear, uh barking at me. So the adrenaline gets amped up from 0 to a 100 real quick and ended up uh, attacking the tight end. And, and I kid you not, blasting him about 15 to 20 yards off the ball. I just like I kept driving him, like was not going to let up. Like, I literally drove him five yards. The whistle stops. And I go, nah, let's go for another 15 yards real quick. So drove him back 15 yards. And, uh, you know, obviously after practice and then during the film everyone's like laughing at it because joe kept on playing it over and over again in the film room but then uh you know my agent calls he's like hey did you have to really do him like that? Because <laughs> he was a rookie just trying to make the team, you know, and we're the same agency. So I remember getting called for that, but you know, you, That's ears, funny. Your
2: agent called. That's, oh, that's yeah, pretty funny. Well,
3: I mean, he, I think it was more like a text message, but he's kind of joking around more yeah. than anything. Cause obviously he wanted me to do well too. But, um, you know, from the perspective of going against new players, especially in that practice setting, your, your ears do perk up a little bit. You know, all of a sudden now maybe you're, uh, you're, Buckling that chin strap a little tighter, you're lacing your cleats up a little harder because it is a change of pace, you know? Um, and especially, and then, like I always say, the dog days of camp where you're going against the same guy over and over again. Well, now you're going against a new team, a new helmet, a new jersey. And not only are you going to go against them, but every single rep that you take part in will be watched by both teams, whether it's your team or the opponent's team. So if you have a bad day, not only is your team going to know about it, but the other team that you went against is going to know about it, too. So pride is definitely upped. Uh, an ante. Um, intensity is up an ante. And, you know, uh, every single time that we went against the Falcons, there was a fight. And needless to say, I don't think I even started any of them, but I can guarantee sure. I, I was in the middle of them. No, I don't think I actually did uh, against the Falcons. But um for the most part, it's funny. Because... W- and I remember this every single year. You know, like we're going through stretching lines and we're getting ready to go. You know, some of the captains on each team would get together and be like, Yeah, all right man, you know, let's you know, let's let's practice hard, but let's take care of each other. And that's kind of their narrative. You know, it's like we're gonna work hard but we're not gonna do anything stupid, not gonna do anything like we're not gonna get in any fights, anything like that. Well, the very first team period, someone pushes somebody a little too hard and all of a sudden. All hell breaks loose. So that's the way it usually went there.
2: <laughs> hey, just uh, about the the eye in the sky, if you will, about sure. both teams, you know, all those clips being on for both teams. Yeah, I thought it was interesting today. Rock Thomas, the running back the Jaguars signed, who actually has a three game suspension, but he joins the team. Um, and we'll have to serve that three game suspension if he makes the team. But they found him essentially at that Minnesota practice last year. They were impressed by him when they practiced with the Minnesota Vikings, and that's kind of where he first caught their eye. And then, you know, he ends up available, and the Jaguars pick him up this week. In fact, he was on our flight. Uh, we didn't fly with the team this time around because they have too many players and too, many, too much personnel. And so uh, he had just been signed over the weekend. He was on our flight uh, up here to Baltimore as huh. well. So we'll see where he fits in. Jags are a little banged up in the running back spot. Uh, Rock Armstead, uh, Raquel Armstead, uh, he's, he's been battling through some things. And, uh, um, also, uh, Thomas Rawls, who's been out a little bit too. So that was why they signed Rock Johnson, uh, Rock Thomas. I keep wanting to say Rock Johnson, I think because of Dwayne Johnson, The Rock.
3: Fair enough. I got you.
2: <laughs> I seriously, that's why I was just looking. I was like, it's Rock Thomas, right? It's Rock Thomas. Yeah. yeah. I had to look it up. Uh, all right. I to I do want to get into the Ravens side. They're interesting. And how much the Jags can get out of this in a minute. But I promise that we'll catch up with Chris Conley, Action Sports Jack, Stuart Weber, right after practice, oh, a short time ago, catching up with the Jags wide receiver.
1: Joined by Jaguars wide receiver, Chris Conley. Chris, we caught up with you right at the very beginning of camp, so we figured a little checkup here a couple weeks into it. The first thing we noticed with you and Nick Foles was kind of a special bond that the two of you guys had. How much have you seen that grow in the other guys in your wide receiving core?
4: A ton. A ton. I think that... At first in camp, guys saw my level of comfortability with Nick and were a little uneasy about it. They didn't know if they could, you know, get that close to him. But now you're starting to see those relationships develop. You're starting to see guys hang around, talk with them after practice about what they see. Uh, what we can work on, what we can get better at, but then also just stuff that's going on in life, you know, and developing relationships that are beyond the football field, and that's what really makes the team close.
1: It's so easy to say that he has this leadership quality, and we hear about it from former teammates and current teammates. What's one way he's kind of shown it so far in this camp, if you can kind of think of an example where Nick Foles kind of really showed that leadership quality that everyone says he
4: has? I think uh, when you have days where you know, the, the offensive team might come out and struggle a little bit early on. And, you know, your first reaction, you know, is to kind of freak out a little bit. It's to freak out and be like, hey, we got to get it together. We got to we gotta pick up the tempo. And really, he just comes in the huddle and is like, hey, everybody, take a deep breath. One play at a time. Just be here in the moment right now. You don't have to be Superman. All I need is you. You know, and it really gets guys to take, take a step back, calm down. And then the offense just, you know, has kind of clicked in those moments and it's it's good when you have a young offense that's really talented to have that kind of leadership
1: these joint practices are a different thing right They're they're different from that that monotonous grind when you're going up against your own teammates Mm -hmm. uh... how much different is it for you guys as a player to to get to face different defensive backs on on these routes that you guys are doing
4: it's awesome uh... you know it's a great opportunity for us to go up against another talented defense that has a different technique than our defense Uh, Really have to change up your play style, change the way that you approach the plays. You know, we've been running these plays one way, you know, for a long time against our defense, what works against our defense. Now we got to change it up. we got to be able to change those things on the fly and really get into the mind of some other DBs. So it's been good for us. This first day was uh, was a, a good test. You know, we're kind of shaking off the travel and getting off the plane. Um, we're looking to build on what we did here today. We had a good day. You have time to
1: build up until Thursday, this first preseason game. It is a shake off the rust kind of game, but it's also a huge opportunity for some of these guys in your wide receiving room that are, are trying to, to show what they can do and really make their way onto this team.
4: Yeah, you know, the the first game is always about evaluation, and there's a balance of letting the young guys know that they're getting evaluated on everything this week. Everything that they did in practice day is going to get washed. Everything is going to be, you know, a check mark in the column of this guy can play or a check mark of this guy's not ready. Uh, and there's a balance of letting them know that there's that emphasis on it, but then also telling them not to press and not to worry, to relax and be themselves because that's why we brought him here. All
1: right, that is Jaguars wide receiver Chris Conley getting ready for preseason game number one. Thank you, Chris. Thank you.
2: All right, thanks, Stuart Weber and Chris Conley. How did you not like that guy, Austin? I mean, he—he he, did you talk to him, by the way, in the last few minutes? Because he said the same thing you just said about everything being evaluated. He was like a coach out
3: there. Yeah, it's its almost like I, I played in the NFL for a couple of years. It's almost like I know what I'm talking about sometimes on this show. We
2: were just trying to figure it out. I mean, nothing was showing up on the stat sheet.
3: <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs>
2: I I I almost want to apologize now but I had to say it. You just gave me a softball.
3: Yeah, no, it's all good, man. I mean, I mean, it is what it is. You're you're in Baltimore right now. Uh you're you're a couple thousand miles away from me. So, you know, I sudden we get sudden together more comfortable around each other. Uh we say things you may we, like we may regret in the future, but it's all good, man. I'll see you Monday. No worries. I'll see you Monday, bro. Actually,
2: I'll see you Friday unless I don't show up.
3: Oh, okay, Friday it is then. Yeah. I'll be sure to have your chair ready for you.
2: Yeah, I'm not sure I would have said that if I was in studio. <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, yeah, Chris Conley, man. Hey, this guy—he looks good too. You know, I think everybody's yeah. talking about D.D. Westbrook, D. J. Chark, uh, Keelan Cole. Uh, I think got a nice compliment from Doug Marone today before practice. But I mean, this kid looks good. Uh, this kid, this guy looks good, and. What people might be sleeping on a little bit with Chris Conley are two things. One, the obvious is they had a ton of talent in Kansas City, so there were only so many footballs to go around. But I think the key here is Nick Foles, and these guys have a relationship. I'm convinced Nick Foles basically went in there and said, hey, go sign Chris Conley. I like that guy. I trust that guy. And you know how this works, Austin. If a quarterback likes a guy and trusts a guy, well, you're apt to probably get him the football at times, aren't you?
3: Oh without a doubt and listen the 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 video that you shared I mean to say to say it's going viral might be an understatement right now congratulations on making some of that money Brent yeah. but you have to remember Chris Conley did that move against Jimmy Smith, and Jimmy Smith has been a staple um, at the corner position for a while. You know, and he's, he's one of the guys that the Ravens count on. So this wasn't against some rookie player. I mean, this is against an established veteran um, corner in Jimmy Smith. So you have to like what you see from Conley. Um, you know, the fact that he has played with Falls before obviously helps him out a lot. And I think you saw that during the OTAs and the start of training camp, where they kind of already had a little bit of a uh, of a rapport i guess you would say um but yeah i'm curious to see exactly because this is a guy like we talked about brent where when his name was called in kansas city he did show a glimpse of greatness it's just the fact that he was kind of he was hit behind tyree kill and then travis kelsey and then when they brought in sammy watkins um you know he was kind of moved down the, the depth a little bit but this is a, a jacksonville jaguars team that brought him in for number one the leadership which you can hear in every single interview that he does but also um The the, the talent factor as well, where we're not quite sure what we're going to get with him, but one would assume that it could be a lot.
2: Yeah, that's pretty – I mean, he he is going to be an interesting one. And by the way, uh, he'll spend some time with us throughout the fall on the radio side and on the TV side um, almost on a weekly basis. So looking forward uh, to that with Chris Conley. He's a cool guy off the field. He's all business on the field, and I think he has a chance to really have a great year with Nick Foles and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, We'll see where it goes, but it's off to a good start here uh, in Owings Mills, Maryland, against the Baltimore Ravens in these joint practices. Hey, before we get to break, uh, it's happy hour horn time. From Baltimore to Jacksonville, Well, you can have some Vita de Louis.
3: a drink, get a shot, and tip your star tenders. And if your co-host is making you upset and you're ready to punch something, well then, hey, grab a new co-host as well.
2: Well, if you had a Madden rating of 94 (laughs) like Vita de Louis has, (laughs) you wouldn't have to worry about those things. A locally owned tequila right here in Jacksonville made in tequila, Mexico and shipped directly to Jack's Beach. Make your own recipes with Vita de Louis tequila, one of the smoothest tequilas you will ever taste. For locations, recipes, and merchandise, visit VitaDeLouis.com. Drink responsibly. Hey, you know what? The Jacksonville Jaguars could have had Lamar Jackson instead of Taven Bryan. Did they make a bad decision? And are the Ravens making a good one, going all in on Lamar Jackson? Let's talk about the Ravens QB when we come back on ESPN 690. We just want to make sure that we have enough running backs. You know, Rock was banged up a little bit. He'll be out here
3: trying to to go. You know, we think he has a good chance of going today. But you don't want to sit there and at the end of the day go, you know, we, we, we don't have anyone. So we wanted to make sure we had enough players in that position. And uh, went to Minnesota last year and uh, practiced against them. And uh, he was a player
2: that did did, did a nice job. You know, and he was available and and we were able to pick him up. I was telling that story. Doug Marone just uh, reiterated it. Uh, Rock Thomas, uh, signed by the Jags, a lot because of what they saw in Minnesota last year at these joint practices. So uh, they do keep the tape. The eye in the sky doesn't lie. And you always have a bit of a Rolodex. Um for these players down the road. Brett Martineau here in Owings Mills, Maryland. Austin Lane, former Jags player, uh, back in our studios in Jacksonville. And uh, I did note also before Doug Marone talked that, uh, obviously, you and Golik still aren't friends, Austin. You haven't pushed that through?
3: (laughs) No, man, I haven't pushed that one through yet. Um, If you could put in the good wording for me, I'd appreciate it. you got to be close to Bristol, I feel like. Yeah, closer. Yeah. Well, yeah, go ahead and get that rent-a-card <laughs> going and uh, hit up ESPN, man, and s- hook me up, dude.
2: Closer. I wouldn't say close. Well, yeah, you're, uh, you're
3: closer. You're fine.
2: Definitely closer. It'll, <laughs> it'll, in it'll, the right it'll, direction.
3: it'll take a day. It's worth uh, it. Come on. Yeah,
2: definitely worth it. Yeah. Um, although I think I saw they were in Ohio. I think they might have been in Cleveland uh, oh. this morning. And uh, you can listen to uh, Go Look at Wingo, of course, every morning right here on ESPN, uh six ninety, six a.m. until 10 a.m. All right, I want to talk a little bit about the Ravens, man. I I like uh, the matchup is interesting. You look at these rosters, you look at these depth charts, and you say, okay, advantage defense for the Jags. You say, okay, advantage defense for the Ravens. There's a lot of unknowns on the offensive side, I think, for both. Uh, There's some nice players, too. There's some things to get excited about, but there are unknowns on both sides. And we've talked about the Jags, and we'll continue to do that on the offensive side of the ball. Let's talk about the Ravens. I mean, what are they about to bring to the NFL, and on a leash to the NFL, uh, much like the curiosity with Kyler Murray is in Kingsbury out in Arizona, what are we about to witness in 2019? Uh, Lamar Jackson is a very talented player. Unbelievable athlete, of course. He can run like a deer, and he can really sling it. He's got great arm strength. I think... There are a lot of question marks in between. There's obviously a lot of question marks being a pocket passer, but they're not trying to do that, I don't think, here in Baltimore. Uh, so what, are, what when when Lamar Jackson got selected mm-hmm. or when he was available, and there were, I mean, I, gosh, remember that draft process? It was like anywhere from he might go number one to he might go to the second round, and he almost got to the second round. Yeah. Uh, the Jaguars passed him by. They had a chance. They picked Taven Bryant. Right or wrong move? What were your thoughts on Lamar Jackson?
3: So, listen, I think the story on Lamar Jackson is a story about a lot of the dual threat quote-unquote quarterbacks out there. Um, you saw him in college, Heisman Trophy winner, put up some crazy stats, but his size uh, was a little bit of a red flag. And the fact that the offense that he ran in Louisville, a little bit of a red flag, and just the way that he plays, a little bit of a red flag. Um, when we talk about these dual-threat quarterbacks, you know, their their life expectancy and their lifespan in the NFL so far really hasn't been anything to shake a stick at. Now, yes, Cam Newton is the outlier there, I think, but Cam Newton is also 6'5", 260-something pounds, built like a defensive end, has an okay arm, but can take a hit. You know, I mean, I'm thinking of the guys like like a Mike Vick, like a Colin Kaepernick. I mean, those guys were, you know, that they were allowed on their legs for a long time. Whether it was with injuries or just people figuring out how to plan against them, um, kind of fizzled out in the NFL. And uh, well, you know, obviously with Kaepernick, we can get political as well, but let's be honest, towards the end of Kaepernick's career, um, he wasn't performing in the best of his abilities, uh, that he showed it in the past because teams were starting to figure out how to beat Colin Kaepernick. All of a sudden, the read option, that uh, that the 49ers were running um, wasn't really that much of a high-powered offense anymore. And and that's kind of the story with these dual-threat quarterbacks. Robert Griffin, another perfect example, where if you rely on your legs too much, it might work in the beginning, but eventually teams will find a way uh, you know, to stop that. So with Lamar Jackson, I thought when he came into the league, Brent, I thought the story was going to be the same. I thought Joe Flacco uh, was going to be the man. They were going to groom Lamar Jackson to be a— more of a pocket passer, and maybe in one or two years when Flacco was done, they would give the reins to Lamar Jackson. Well, that's not what happened at all. Flacco was playing mediocre. Uh, they opted to, because they thought, they thought that the season was kind of done, and they threw in Lamar Jackson, and all of a sudden a guy where you thought could be groomed to be that pocket guy relied on what got him to the NFL in the first place, relied on his legs, and literally led the Baltimore Ravens to to the playoffs. Now, so yes, they have a great defense, obviously, that was a big part of it as well. But a lot of their success came from Lamar Jackson, and it was with his legs. So now all of a sudden, you have a style of offense with the Baltimore Ravens that is—it's no secret what they're going to try to do. It's—it's it's a power running team. Um, look, look no further than who they brought in this season with Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram, all things considered, had a great run in New Orleans, but he was never really regarded as that you know, slasher out of the backfield who can catch a lot of passes. That was more of Alvin Kamara. Well now you have Mark Ingram there to be the power back. You have Gus Edwards who's probably even bigger than Mark Ingram, kind of the same style runner. And then you have, you know, Kenneth Dixon who's a little bit more of the change of pace kind of guy. But there's no mistake with what the Ravens are trying to do. They're trying to run the ball and play good defense. And um if you look at who they have on offense or offensive line, they could be able to do that this year.
2: Yeah, you know, it's interesting you say the the Ravens team for the last. Oof. I don't know, man. What do you think? All the way back to the early 2000s. Yeah. I think have always felt the same. They've looked the same. I mean, you talk about a team with an identity. They want to punch you in the mouth, running the football, and they want to beat you up on defense. Yeah. And it's it's been pretty simplistic. And then you get a guy like Flacco, who obviously was good quarterback and has been a good quarterback, and really had a great run when they won the Super Bowl. I mean, so I, I know people were down on Flacco, or the, or maybe he's toward the end, or didn't want him in Jacksonville. Bottom line, he's been a good quarterback. I think at times you wrestled with was he elite or not, but he obviously was elite for one postseason, got him to a Super Bowl, which which is the uh, the whole intent, but you look at that team. I was looking today, and I'm watching them walk in. And I'm like, man, look at that running back—big, thick, stocky. You know, yeah. he's, he's gonna run over you, obviously, Mark Ingram. But it just like bam, 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 they all like the Ravens are still the Ravens from a getting off the bus kind of look at them. But then they've got Lamar Jackson, and that has no n- inkling of looking like the Baltimore Ravens. And the and the and Lamar Jackson might not look like anything in the NFL. So yeah. it's kind of weird to see a team in a franchise that has looked almost the same and had a lot of success doing it, by the way. I don't I don't say that as a knock. That being that tough mentality team, that defense run the ball, great kicker who can win you some football games. Um, that's been part of their recipe. And now you have a guy like Lamar Jackson who see who is a who, who what is he going to be in the NFL? And I think that's the fascinating part of this team. Here's the other part of this. Uh, do you? Th- I see. I think they'll trick some teams up still because they continue to implement. You know what happened when he came in? They could only put stuff in so quickly last year. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I shouldn't say trick. That sounds like um that he's not able to get things done. The bottom line is in crucial situations, teams are going to keep Lamar Jackson in the pocket as best they can. So can he be a pocket passer? That will be the ultimate test for Lamar Jackson whether he can or can't. But let me ask you this in relation to the Jags. I I say it twofold. Succinctly, would you have rather had Lamar Jackson than Taven Bryan? And secondly to that, would you rather now be sitting here with Lamar Jackson or Nick Foles?
3: Go ahead and give me, well, first of all, Taven Brian, Lamar Jackson. I mean, hindsight's 2020. Um, you could have said that with Borals was Struggle, you could have put in Lamar Jackson, probably won some more games, and who knows what was going to happen. So, hindsight's 2020 on that part. Uh, I'm not upset that they won with Taven Brian. Um, we'll see what happens, you know, going on in this year. And then as far as Foles or Jackson, to me, it's Foles hands down because, uh, Jackson hasn't proven himself as that pocket passer quite yet. And yes, they had a lot of success running the ball, um, with his legs But like I just talked about Teams Kind of Find ways To beat you eventually um, And you have to come up With new things To do And I, I don't, don't get me wrong I'm sure Jackson Has taken steps forward now Of being more of that passer And I think this year You're going to see a lot With the Ravens Because this is a team I follow a lot For a couple reasons Number one I love their defense I love the way They play defense Number two Um Last year playing fantasy football, I had said, I said, two, two players are going to be the breakout stars of fantasy football. And I took both of them in the draft. I took Alex Collins, who which backfired for me, and I had James Conner from the Steelers. But I always thought Alex Collins was going to be the, the guy that was going to get the job done and be kind of like, you know, the, the, the bell cow of the Ravens. Didn't work out. But it doesn't matter who, it's, who it seems like they put back their running back. They always have success. Whether it's going to be Ingram, whether it's going to be, uh, buck allen i mean it doesn't really matter who it is i mean they're gonna be fine uh whether it was gus edwards i'm sorry buck allen's gone now but um the offense going forward i think it's gonna be kind of as the same stuff with the ravens but you're gonna see lamar jackson probably have a couple more nuances throwing the ball a little bit but at the same time Brent, we just talked about it their wide receivers are nothing to shake a stick at names like willie sneed seth roberts chris moore Marquise Brown, who's going to be intriguing, but is a rookie. So... I guess with their tight ends that you know that they have good depth there but at the end of the day they're going to be power they're going to be a power running team and play good defense
2: and I'm saving our tight end conversation because they're the envy of at least Jacksonville when it comes to tight ends I would think with so many of them but I want to save that till tomorrow because we're going to catch up with Hayden Hurst one of them local product of course so we'll talk about the tight ends for Lamar Jackson and for this football team in relation to the Jacksonville Jaguars coming up on Tuesdays show here from uh, Owens Mills, Maryland coming up next. Number 20 out on the field, Jalen Ramsey pretty good. Number 20 here, Ed Reed. Oh, yeah, he was pretty good, too. We're going to go to the Hall of Fame ceremonies. Champ Bailey with a powerful message next on ESPN 690. All right, a couple things around the NFL coming out of training camp. Solani Johnson, Jr., Houston Texans rookie, practicing against the Green Bay Packers. They sent him to the showers for a couple of hits on Packers uh, players even though it was a non tackling practice whoops um also did you see jj J. watt rode the bike in i did see in lambo yeah I'm sure uh, which that, is that kind of cool. Really cool experience yeah, for yeah him. i think that was kind of cool uh, but he broke the kid's bike
3: <laughs> i did not see that part of it <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, so, I'm sure he could probably get afford him a new one
2: people around in jacksonville will hate me saying this and uh, I probably shouldn't say this. Well, go ahead and say it. Um, it's it's hard not to kind of like J.J. Watt.
3: Well, yeah. There, I, mean, I is, said it. Okay, I mean, I'm, I'm from Wisconsin, so yeah. Uh,
2: I know, but he's a Houston Texan, man. No, I, mean, I understand. It's like it's easy not to like him, too, from a rivalry standpoint. But what this guy has done, kind of how he holds himself, I mean, obviously the, the, the hurricane – um platform that he used to raise so much money mm-hmm. uh, but even things like this, I think he recognized you, you know I think he gets it he's one of those athletes that get it, and you're like, hey, I'm going back home to Wisconsin.' I mean, he was walking with a Packers fan, you know, which I'm sure oh, he probably man. could even take some heat from Houston fans on that. Yeah, but, but you, the guy I gets. guarantee
3: he grew, he grew up a Packers fan, and I'm sure it was probably one of his dreams as a kid to play in the NFL and be able to do that, you know, so um, it, it kind of comes full circle, where I'm sure he's at some of those training camps by St. Norbert College, and maybe he had a bike that he wanted a Packers player to ride, and maybe it did, maybe it didn't, but... Um, that's just, you know, that's just kind of like living on his childhood dream, I feel like, by, by riding the bike. So, I don't, know, I don't think the Texans fans really care about him too much doing that. Uh, you know, for, from as, as far as a, a player and a guy off the field, I mean, it's hard not to like Jay for all he's done. Um, if I had it my way, though, I'd probably keep the weightlifting videos to a minimum. But hey, you can do whatever you want, man. Inspired um, you. For
2: what? Inspired you for the box
3: jump. Oh, yeah. Well, that was more of just trying to shut him up more than anything, I think. So maybe it inspired me for the box jump. But also, <laughs> I didn't put the box jump over... Uh, I, I guess I did put it on Twitter. But, um, <laughs> yeah, whatever. So the, 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 that was a bad argument. My bad. Uh, but, no, I mean, yeah, J.J. Watt, obviously in Jags, but people don't like him because he has been pretty dominant when he plays the Jaguars. But overall, when, when it's all said and done, I think he's going to go down as one of the good guys in the NFL, for Yeah, sure.
2: I think so, too. Yeah. I, listen, hey, Jags fans, at least I didn't say anything like... Like that about Jarrell Casey yeah. or Taylor
3: Luan. Well, all right? at, at least we didn't have Peyton Manning on our show or anything like that, right? <laughs> yeah, that's a very good
2: point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we turned him down actually, Jacksonville. Yeah, though. yeah. I mean, we didn't know, really was... feel like Peyton wanted to come on the show, and we didn't. We said no, we can't do that. Well, yeah, Jacksonville fans won't like.
3: Absolutely. <laughs> you no, know, obviously he's a big fan of ESPN six ninety. He remember playing against me. He's like, hey, Oz, can I? you ca-? even called me Oz. I'm like, I don't, I don't like being called Oz, except by my mom. But Peyton, good to see you. And uh, I had to turn him down, unfortunately. Couldn't come on the show, but. Uh, we, one we other appreciate
2: note. Him listening. One other note before I forget. Uh, it's good to be forty-two years old. Free agent. This is basketball news. Vince Carter agreed to a deal with the Atlanta Hawks. This guy <laughs> is still playing. That's amazing.
3: Oh, uh, Like I was in fifth grade, and like I remember, you know, like you're at that age where you still like pick the players that you like to try to. M- m- I guess, like, act like on the playground or whatever, like on the playground, oops. And I'd always pick Vince Carter, man, in fifth grade. And now I'm sitting here at 31 years old in ESPN 690 Studios, and we're reporting that he's still playing the game of basketball. It's, it's absolutely insane to
2: me. It really is insane. Hey, can you dunk still?
3: The next question, Brent, come on. You serious? Does, well, yeah, man. I yes, mean, I can, I'm 6'6". Six six. I hope I can still dunk it. Well, I said still. I didn't oh, say, yeah. could you dunk it one time? Oh, I said, no, can you I, dunk still? Oh, I can, I can still dunk, yes.
2: All right. I can't anymore.
3: (laughs) Be honest. Have you ever ever thrown out a dunk before? No. Oh, that's that's unfortunate. No,
2: I know. It is unfortunate. It's one of life's just turns, you know? I mean, you you just got to deal with it. You're stuck with it. Like, you get bad breaks in life. I can't dunk. I never could, and I will never get that experience. I kind of wish I had.
3: Coos, can you dunk it? I've never dunked, but I would really love to. See, now, that breaks my heart. Like, with Brent, I can understand. Like, okay, he's, you know, I mean... I'm not sure about Brent's childhood, but I think he's more of a baseball guy than a basketball guy. Basketball is your life, dude. I mean, you you have the podcast. You're a big Sixers fan. We talk about it all the time, driving dish podcast. You're welcome. But um, to be the big of a basketball fan and not dunk it, Coos. Be honest, it hurts you a little bit, doesn't it? It hurts, but because I'm pretty, pretty sure I'm, I'm in the,
1: I'm pretty sure I'm in the majority that hasn't dunked it. You know what? I would like yeah. I would give
2: up the dunk if I could just two handed hang on the rim. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah.
1: Like I can, I can, I can like get my fingers over the so rim, but I can't. No, I don't even think I'm close because you, you kind of get oh, yeah, above it. You have to get your,
3: your wrist above it. No, I'm, well, I don't know if I'm close. Let's get on that workout program. Let's start popping some steroids yeah. here, and we'll, we'll get you dunking. Okay. I cool. love how we promote
2: Down. steroids here on the show. I uh, mean, for Coos and my kid. Well,
3: for Coos, oh, yeah, Brent and whatever Ty can take it or leave it. Whatever he wants <laughs> <likes> to do. <laughs> uh,
2: anyway, you know, I like the. I'm still the guy that gets on the ladder, hangs from the ring and rim, and it's like way. Post <laughs> a picture, yeah, picture on it, Twitter. But it's way too far down, man. It's like, bring that ladder back.
3: <laughs> so, so I want to talk about inspiration, though. So, my senior year of high school, we had a dunk contest, and in honor of Vince Carter, I went between the legs and threw one down.
2: Ah, very good. Yeah. That's impressive. Is that on video, or is that back no, in the day?
3: Hey, we don't have DHS players anymore, but <laughs> sure that, that video is long gone by now.
2: Hey, uh, before we head to a break, one more to go, and then I want to wrap up with football, but I do want to talk this real quick. Did you see Champ Bailey? All the inductees. Obviously, around here, it's a big deal. Ed Reed yeah. uh, inducted into the Hall of Fame. And, I mean, some of these guys go on forever and ever. It, I tried to listen to as much as I could. It, it does get a little long. I know they have great messages. They've yeah. earned the time. It, they've earned the thank yous. I'm not knocking it. It just takes a long time. But Champ Bailey here, you know, what What folks, obviously from Folkestone, and isn't really celebrated as a local guy in, in the Jacksonville area, northeast Florida, southeast Florida, uh, Georgia, as much maybe as he should be. But uh, what a career. Unbelievable. And what these guys do now is try to hit their platforms or, or deliver a message. And it could be anywhere from race relations like Champ Bailey, we're about to hear in a moment, or – even um, mental health issues, yeah. uh, you know, it might or you know, and I think sometimes that, yes. sometimes crosses into political views. Sure, uh, but I want to ask you if you like the idea of them using this platform for that or not. But first, let's listen to what Champ Bailey had to
5: say about race relations. I'm a firm believer that if you want to create change, you better start with your friends and your family. So I'm starting here today. The first thing people see when they look at me is not a pro football Hall of Famer, or a husband, or a father. They view me first as a black man. So on behalf of all the black men that I've mentioned tonight, and many more out there, who've had the most of the same experiences I've had in my lifetime, we say this to all of our white friends. When we tell you about our fears, please listen. When we tell you we're afraid for our kids, please listen. When we, when we tell you there are many challenges we face because of the color of our skin, please listen, and please do not get caught up in how the message is delivered.
2: That was Champ Bailey on Saturday night, Pro Football Hall of Famer, Canton, Ohio, uh, delivering that message. And when we come back from this timeout, do you like the use of the platform how good of a message was it from Champ Bailey? And why I actually thought about Austin Lane when I heard that on Saturday night. That's next on ESPN 690. Eating a little beef jerky, Austin.
3: Nice. What kind of beef jerky are you rocking here?
2: Uh, this is called Jawbox.
3: Jawbox. I've never remember? heard of it. <laughs> I've never heard of it. Did you ever eat like the, like the powdered beef jerky as a kid? Like the, it used to come like in a chew tin, basically? I
1: used to pretend I was dipping.
3: Oh, yeah, yeah. The yeah. Time, man. yeah. Did you still make that or not? Did I don't you
2: know, know if they oh, make that delicious. anymore. Well, that was the good stuff right there. <laughs> I thing. don't even remember what it tasted like, but I was more like Coos. Well, now, I wanted was... to make pretend I was like being cool.
3: Well, and let's be honest, did I take a big part of it and put it on my lip and not swallow <laughs> it for about 20 minutes and <laughs> act like I was chewing? I absolutely did, yes. That is correct. <laughs>
2: Uh, all right, Brent Martineau here in Owings Mills, Maryland at the uh, Baltimore Ravens uh, practice facility. By the way, we'll have some TV coverage coming up uh, in a bit. You heard from uh, Chris Conley and, and Stuart Weber, their conversation. We've been playing some Doug Marone and uh, some Yannick Ngakwe from yesterday throughout the show. Uh, but coming up on TV, Fox 30 at 6.50, uh, report from here. And then later tonight, I'll be back at the uh, near the Inner Harbor and a beautiful backdrop for TV. On Fox 30 and CBS 47, we have 1st and 10 training camp continues tonight. Uh, 15, 20-minute show uh, with all the day's news in Jagsland and beyond when it comes to football. Uh, make sure you check it out, Eleven fifteen tonight, CBS 47 and Fox 30. Brett Martineau here, Austin Lane, back in the Action Sports Jack studios. Nice job by Kuz all day uh, getting this all mixed up. And by the way, there might be a little bit too much caricature in our photo, in our picture here on the video platform. <laughs> I mean, it might be a little much.
3: I, th- I think it's just right. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot of us. Yeah, it Let's is. Let's just say. It's like you're seeing double or triple. Mm, uh, no, wrong.
3: I'm, I'm going to be honest. If this is a dorm room, uh, people would be kind of freaked out about it right now, I feel like. Yeah, but,
2: right. Quick, yeah. That would be awesome in the dorm room, too. I wish I had made one of those myself when I went to college. Just,
3: just a fat head of yourself? I yeah. think that would be a little aggressive. Put it on bro. the door? Yeah, yeah that's it. You, been, oh, you, yeah. You may not have been married, bro. Let's just be <laughs> honest, man. I'm, I'm sure your <laughs> wife wouldn't have went for that. But, Probably wouldn't yeah.
2: have done that. Yeah. Uh, all right. I, I left with Champ. Bailey and I want to finish with a couple of Jags thoughts too so yeah. let's get to this quick yeah I said it made me think of Austin Lane and here's why because if you heard that reaction from Champ Bailey and sorry we had to bridge the commercial uh so if you're just catching on he, he used his platform at the Pro Football Hall of Fame to talk about race relations mm-hmm. and being a black man and that's before a football player before a dad before a husband before anything else people see a black man that's the first thing they see and that was his uh, his point and it got me thinking about when we've done this show before and we've talked about, and I can't remember what show it was, but, uh, you know, and, and at times we've joked about your appearance, yeah. just the beard and the dreads and everything else sure. in, in kind of a fun, love, and good way. Um, but there are times, and, and you've brought it up, even like whether it's getting on a plane or, or doing whatever else, I mean, you've said you've. You've experienced this stuff. So oh, you yeah. could probably have related it, it, to what Champ Bailey was saying. And that's what it made me think of you. What did you think of the message from Champ?
3: I mean, yeah. It, you know, I, I watched it live and um, I actually watched it with my son, which is pretty cool. And, um, it, it, you know, it, it almost brought a tear to my eye, man, because you have a guy here. And listen, if it's one thing to, to tweet about it, say that there's an issue, it's another thing if I just come on the radio show and, and I talk about it. But for him, the one of the top players at his position of all time on one of the biggest stages um, that anybody could ever be on, and the fact that he didn't even make it about himself, he wasn't talking about his stats, wasn't talking about all that he accomplished, he brought it up to race relations, and he brought it up to basically say that there is a problem still. Um, to me, that just shows what type of guy that he is. To use that platform when the world is watching to try to make the world a better place. To try to make the world a better place for his children um, and for everybody else out there. Uh, nothing but respect for Champ Bailey.
2: Yeah, and you know, Austin, this is obviously a big issue still to this day. Whether it's from the Kaepernick story or how, whatever different um, examples we want to use. Yeah. And, and, I, and I thought it was really cool about what champ bailey did and we didn't play it and, and i should ask who's to to keep it going for a couple more seconds but at the end of that when he was done with his message he also said had a message for black men mm-hmm. and and you heard it and he said if you don't have anything positive to say please keep your mouth shut i think i don't want to put words in his mouth but i think that's what he said you know so instead of uh his message was one of peace is my point here I thought it was a a it was it was eye opening to me. Um, it was to not create more negativity, to create more separation, but one more of hey, let's bring everybody together on this. These are the realities of it, and um, I th- I thought in that you for him, and it was somewhat succinct too. You know, he didn't go for seven or eight minutes. On his platform, and I'm okay with platforms, but I think you do have to keep the message pretty succinct in these settings sure. because you've been talking for 30, 35 minutes now, and you want to make it powerful and deliver it. I thought Champ Bailey did a, a fantastic job of that. I thought he hit a home run on a lot of different levels. I don't know where it registers with everybody. I just know it's an important message to probably keep saying. And and. Uh, and especially for if I'm watching it like you just said, you were watching it with your son. If I'm a uh, a fourteen year old uh black kid
3: mm-hmm.
2: and I'm playing ball and I'm watching that and I don't know if I would be watching that, i would like to play in video games instead, but somebody shows <laughs> me that. Yeah. And and I see Champ Bailey up there and he's giving that message, man, that's gotta mean something. You know. Yeah. I think that's impactful. Now, it should be impactful to everybody. Exactly. But I, I think uh, I, I think he reached a lot of people with that. Is my point. I thought it was really well done. I didn't listen to a lot of the other ones, um, so I don't really know as much. Yeah. I thought that that was my biggest takeaway. Those two minutes from Champ Bailey probably my biggest takeaway of uh, Hall of Fame night.
3: Well, you know, and and. I mean, they're all great speeches. You know, Tony Gonzalez had a a speech where he basically wrote out a letter to his children, and then he shared that speech with with the crowd. And that was uh, very touching, you know, being a father myself now. Um, Ed Reed had a great speech as well, kind of along the same lines of Cham Bailey about mental health you know with the mass shootings on everything like that and just um spreading good vibes and um being a good person so ed reed kind of touched those angles as well but I, I think all these guys did a did a fantastic job and the most important thing brent whether and listen sometimes i think i probably need to do it more on the radio show or wherever you are it's just to keep the narrative going keep the conversation going because there are problems out there still when it comes to race and color and you have to keep that conversation going because there's still people out there that for whatever reason don't believe it's an issue or just too naive to the fact. Um, and when you when, when you're naive or you don't believe that something wrong is happening, then that, that's, that's when you kind of break down as a society. So the fact that Champ Billy once again got on, got on his platform, um, used it for probably the best way possible. Nothing but you know. Love and, and, and um and, and honor to champ Bailey and Ed, and Ed Reed as well. So Yeah, and,
2: and I also saw another one by the way, Kevin Mawai, if you if you're yeah. a dad out there, yeah what he said about his dad was really cool. Mm-hmm. He's talking about the lasting impression from a dad's point of view, you know, to to their kid. Um and that's a big problem in in our country too and probably across the globe, is dads in general. Mm-hmm. You know. So I, I thought I thought it was cool, you know. I'm not a big platform guy. I really am not, uh, because platforms turn into soapboxes, man, and soapboxes turn into so much debate that you lose the idea of the story, yeah. and so I think you've got to be so careful. I thought these were pretty well done the other night, the ones that I heard, and especially Champ Bailey's, and I did like the message from Kevin Mawai to his dad, too, so hats off to those guys. Congratulations, and you know what? I, every time I watch that, I, I, I think, hey, maybe to kind of make our show a little full circle, What's Tony Vaselli going to talk about when he gets in?
3: That's a good point.
2: You know, and, and I'm interested, in I never really asked him that, and I don't think I don't know if he's shared it before or already thought about it. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, hopefully that day is coming soon, and, and to piggyback that, hopefully Fred Taylor's day and Jimmy Smith's day and others uh, will come soon after that. Hey, man, pretty good day up here in, uh, in Baltimore area, Owings Mills, Maryland, about a half hour outside of Baltimore, uh, joint practice number one in the books. Nick Foles and, and the offense looking okay. I don't think great, but not horrible either. And uh, we get closer and closer to preseason game number one. We'll talk about that a little bit more tomorrow. Um. One last thought from here. Do you think the Jags defense can get enough work done this week that is going to be useful during the season, considering they're playing against a read option and a different kind of quarterback than Lamar Jackson?
3: Um. Yes, I think so for a couple reasons. Number one, you're playing against the physical team, in the Baltimore Ravens. So yeah, so you have to bring your, you know, your lunch pail and your two chin straps uh, type mentality there. So I like it from that perspective. And also when you're talking about the Ravens, you need to have good communication because they run that option a lot and guys have to know where they stand, especially in that linebacking core, which is looking pretty young and a little banged up right now. So communication is going to be key in to try to stop that option with what the Ravens like to do a lot. So from those two perspectives of the toughness, the mentality, and the communication, I think you can gain a lot of things from those.
2: Hey, one other note, too, and I didn't uh, say this earlier. I really feel like um, Leonard Fournette's looking good out there. Looked good in the pass-catching game today. So, uh, you know, we're not going to see a lot without tackling. But the pass-catching game, uh, he looked really good. So, uh, overall, pretty good day, I think, for both teams. And uh, we'll get back after it again tomorrow. Uh, We'll talk to some more players. We'll talk to uh, Ravens tight end Hayden Hurst tomorrow on the show as well. Good job back there, Coos. Good catching up, Austin Lane. Have a good night. And we'll uh, do it all again tomorrow. Thanks for listening on ESPN 690. We'll see you on TV tonight. Fox 30 and CBS 47 from Baltimore, Maryland. It's game time with Action Sports Jax. Jaguars fans, Thursday night, Action Sports Jax is live from Baltimore, 3 p.m. until 6 p.m. on ESPN 690, then all night long on Fox 30. It's countdown to kickoff at 7 p.m., a half-hour pregame show. Then the preseason kicks off between the Jaguars and Ravens at 7.30 on Fox 30. After the game, live reaction with the postgame show, also on Fox 30. Follow your favorite team, the Jacksonville Jaguars, with your favorite team, Action Sports Jax, Thursday, live from Baltimore.